Hey guys, welcome to the Bowhunting Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Alright, so today I've got um, Dave Darling, the Kilted Boyer from uh, Kalamazoo Bow Works. He, uh, well as the name implies, he's from Kalamazoo. Uh, he builds bows, he builds longbows, he makes uh, mostly longbows. He's got, a, he's got a recurve too. We talk about his different models, but we don't talk about his bows until like... God, almost to the end of the episode. We go down you know, so many little tracks here. We talk about um, you know his history and hunting and heritage and his family and and the the, the heritage of of bow hunting in general. And you know we talk about you know new tech versus old tech and new you know new school versus old school and um, you know the blending of the two and you know where they clash and uh, we we get into some pretty cool stuff. You know he's um, he's a very old school kind of guy. He's younger than me. Um, but he's a very old school kind of guy because he's been doing old school stuff with a longbow for a very, very long time. And, uh, you know, very successful, uh, you know, really hard working, really driven, very cool guy. And, you know, he's uh, frequently on uh, the Primitive Pursuit podcast. So you probably listen to him there all the time. Or if you go to any of the shoots, um, you know, you, you might have uh, met him in person. I've never met him in person. That's why I wanted to actually have him on here to um, just to get to know him a little bit better. And uh, just just to hear you know more of his stories and and uh, and everything else about him and yeah it was it was fantastic I love talking to him so you know Dave thanks for uh, thanks for coming on I, I really really appreciated uh, talking to you getting to know you a little bit better I feel like I do and um, yeah we dove down a whole lot of rabbit holes so you're just gonna have to you know just sit back and take it all in and um, you know we he and I both drop a lot more f bombs than I normally do in, in an episode so you know if you got sensitive ears well you know. I, I think this has an R rating. I don't know. I don't ever check, whatever. But I, I, it's never stopped me from swearing. So if you're offended by the F word, well, you know, you're probably offended by, by me anyway. So um, other than that, let's see. Um, I don't really have, I don't really have a ton else to, uh, to to talk about here because I'm recording this just a few days after I recorded the last episode you're listening to. So. I don't have any of that new stuff that I'm talking about, uh, like the, like the tree stands and, and things like that. Um, so maybe that'll that'll come later, and uh, yeah, once I actually have them and, and get them in here and, and get them in the tree and start hunting with it and things and, and stuff like that. So um, other than that, I'm just kind of rambling on here. So instead of rambling, I'm just gonna shut up now. So I want to say thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, please like, share, subscribe. Do me a favor. Um, go to my YouTube channel. I'm gonna ask you guys a favor. Go to my YouTube channel, and even if you don't want to watch the videos that about that, that don't like interest you uh, for certain things, like I just put one out there for like a Petzl headlamp, right? A couple headlamps. Can you guys just please click on that thing and like watch it? Watch it. Put it in the background. Let it let it watch for more than like 30 seconds, a minute, whatever it is, long as you can. Um, I'm really kind of trying to jumpstart some of that uh, the algorithm that that you know the YouTube uh, the algorithms that determine who sees your stuff because like uh, I think you've heard me say on here before if I do a video about a traditional bow I get I get lots of hits right I mean well for me anyway uh, thousands of views that's that's fantastic if I do one about a headlamp or a knife or anything that's not you know literally that's you know a traditional bow in the title or uh, a traditional bow being drawn or something like that with a picture I get like nothing but these all pertain to uh, hunting and you know woodsmanship and, and, and gear and all that stuff. So uh, I, I think what YouTube wants to see is a bunch of people looking at it, clicking at it, and then it starts promoting it more. That's just the way it is. So if you guys watch any of my stuff, just a personal um, request here. I greatly appreciate it. If you just click on those other uh, other videos 
and just let him play for like a minute and see what happens. You know, I'd really like to kickstart that kind of stuff. Uh, that's 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 not so popular on on my on my channel because I actually like doing those videos a lot. I really like doing those videos a lot, and I think you guys use the same gear or similar gear that I do. Whether it's knives, whether it's boots, whether it's uh, you know like a Mr. Buddy heater, or whether it's a headlamp. You know what I mean? But those ones don't get a ton of views, and I'm really trying to kickstart those. So anyway, that's my uh, that's my special request for you guys. Other than that, hope you guys' seasons are uh, are going good, and. Um, yeah, by the time this comes out, we'll be almost at Halloween or right before Halloween. So it's my favorite time of the year. I love this time of year, and I hope the, hope the weather's good for you guys, nice and cool. And I uh, hope you guys are having continued success in the woods. So, All right, with that said, here is my interview with Dave Darling of Kalamazoo Bowworks. Yep, you're recording. I'm, gl I'm glad your computer is faster than mine because... <laughs> So you have to tell me what's going on. So um, welcome, everybody, to the Bohonies Old Podcast. Uh, I've got uh, Dave Darling um, on the uh, on the phone over here. So, Dave, thanks thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Yeah, not a problem, man. I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Good. So I, I've already thanked you. I'm going to thank you publicly for doing this late again, as I do with all my uh, all my guests, you know. Um, so we're – but you said you were, like you – were, you were moving furniture or something like that? What? Yeah, yeah, we – got a new couch today and we moving part of the old couch from downstairs to the upstairs and moving another part another couch out from upstairs out and then a new couch completely complete sectional into the downstairs and uh, just kind of pain in the neck yeah i hate doing that uh that furniture jenga you know when like yeah. you know, your wife decides like oh we should put this down here put this up here and it's like it's fine where it is it's it's <laughs> If it was meant, if it was meant to go from one room to the next or one floor to the next, it would, it would, you know, be floating or something. It's heavy. Right. It's heavy yeah, for a reason. Exactly. You know, we, we've got, um, we, we, we ordered carpet, right? So we've got carpet coming like in the next couple of weeks, I think it is. And, um, I guess I didn't really think about like, and we're not doing a ton. We're just doing like kind of like the stairs and like, like upstairs and they're not very big bedrooms or anything like that, but still. And I guess I never really thought like how much crap has to like everything has to come out of the damn room everything has to come out that's one of those where it's better to just pay somebody to do it <laughs> uh, I, I don't know yeah i suppose but like then where do they put it you know what i mean they're gonna you know i suppose they should put it you know i mean we've got we've got the we've got like the different levels to put it on but mm -hmm. i'm like well shit okay so we got to take apart you know, one well, we sold one bed, thank goodness, in the guest bedroom. So we got to take about you know our bed, daughter's bed, and then the closets. I didn't think about the closets because it's got that wire shelving in there, and you got yep. the the you know the rods that go all the way down to the floor. I'm like, well, shit, I forgot about that. Just all kinds of little things. I'm like, where the hell are we gonna put everything? We basically got to like unmove our entire upstairs, you know, for just to you get know, a carpet. Yep. Just, I, I might be willing to live with shitty carpet. <laughs> <laughs> or, but that's, or at least should be carpet in your closet you know it's like yeah how bad, how bad can the carpet really be in the closet anyway right nothing nothing it, walks yeah. in there yeah exactly if, if 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 it matched i'd be i'd be like yeah just make a seam right here and right. you know so anyway we're not here to talk about carpet though we're we're here to talk about you um so so kalamazoo bow works right yes yep okay and you go by I don't know if you go by that, but I've heard people refer to you as a kilted boyer. Do you, is, kilted do you boyer. still go by that, or is that yeah, uh, just, yeah, yeah, kilted boyer? Do, so. Is that just like your heritage, or uh? yeah, uh, heritage? I'm uh, Irish, uh, mostly Irish, Scotch, and um, a little bit of English, and a little bit of Polish too. So, 
Oh, but, so you, got a, you got an all from like the, the North Atlantic there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've not done one of the, the 23andMe's or the Ancestries or whatever, but, uh, you know, based on what I know of family her- heritage, um, uh, my great, one great grandmother came over on a boat from Poland, uh, and the other set of great grandparents, um, or, yeah, set of great grandparents came over, um, from Ireland and uh, my grandmother, my would have been my Nana, she passed away when my mother was a child, but I never got to meet her. But anyway, so she's full-blooded Irish. Um, so that puts me at a quarter. Quarter Irish, 12 and a half Polish, mixture of Scottish and English in there on my uh, father's, uh, grandfather's side and just kind of a hodgepodge after that. So yeah. I think there's probably some Norse and that kind of stuff in there as well, but hard to A little bit of everything. It sounds like if you did the 23 and me, your computer would fry before it uh, spit <laughs> out all the results. <laughs> Very well could. <laughs> you know, um, did you, uh, did you grow up in any of that kind of heritage then? I mean, it, it sounds like you had a pretty strong, like, like old, you know, old country ties, like at least family wise. Right. I mean, uh, not really. Um, my family's never been huge on celebrating heritage or anything like that. My great grandmother, you know, was, like I said, she's full blood Polish and, you know, she acted Polish, but it, it, we, <laughs> she, you know, she's, but she lived three hours away. Um, right. so I, you know, I, I didn't get to spend a ton of time with her. Um, you know, I, so there's like that Polish heritage never really took or anything like that, but I, yeah. you know, I got, I got the red hair, the fair skin, the, the freckles, the whole nine yards. I'm, you know, it, it, a quarter plus Irish, you know, that really kind of resonates with me. I feel that heritage and my, that ancestry and my, you know, I, I feel it, you know, so I you know, more identify with that and um, started wearing the kilts about 10 years ago or so. And, you know, when they, I hate to say when they became more kind of mainstream, but a little bit more mainstream, it was still not quite. And, you know, I was one of the earlier adopters of, of picking up and wearing a kilt and, yeah, you know, people always, either made fun of you or you know like oh man that's cool as hell and uh i'd wear them to shoots and whatnot and uh so i'm, anyway, sure, it's a con- I'm I, sure it's a conversation starter you know yeah yeah i tell you what you talk about you know women always talk about getting groped and sexually assaulted and whatever but you know like a guy wearing a kilt i, I tell you what like i've had that damn thing pulled up more times than i can count and women <laughs> ask me whether i have underwear on under <laughs> under it or not it, like if a guy walked up to a woman while she was wearing a skin, a sundress and said, you know, hey, are you wearing panties? He would get slapped and, you know, like sexual assault, right? Or <laughs> or, or uh, sexual harassment. And, but a woman can walk up to a dude and say it, no problem. And it's like, oh, well, that's just part of the thing because you're wearing a kilt. Forget even walking up and doing anything like that. You, in some parts of the country, you'd, you'd get a screaming at if if you said, excuse me, miss, and, yeah. you know, and you use the wrong goddamn pronoun. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to use, you know, I'm like, you got to yep. be kidding me. But, I mean, anyway, uh, so when I started building bows, you know, I, I wore a kilt a lot, and I just, you know, it kind of float. And I, I, yeah, the kilted boyer kind of give myself a brand. Type right, there. right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> So, um, so obviously Kalamazoo, Michigan, um, did you, did you grow up there the whole time or? Yep. Born and raised. Uh, we attempted to move to Alaska when I was 10, uh, spent about a month in Alaska. Um, parents weren't able to find suitable housing for our family. And, um, so we turned around and came home and then I spent a year and a half living in Massachusetts, um, 
from 96 to 97. Yeah, I think January 96 to July of 97, something like that, July, August 97. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I've always lived in the metro Kalamazoo area. Uh, not not just a metro, but like around outside of Kalamazoo. I never lived in the city, but in the suburban, right. you know, the it kind of in the country areas, the, the more rural portions of Kalamazoo County. That's, that's kind of cool. So you're, um, did your dad kind of want to go out there for, for work or something? Is that why you guys went out to Alaska or was it something? Uh, Mom totally and dad, like, uh, kind of wanted to chase the adventure in Alaska and uh, dad really wanted to do it. And we sold all, like most of our belongings, uh, what we didn't sell, we loaded up into a big trailer and uh, hooked it up to the back of the Jeep Cherokee and uh, my sister, myself, uh, my parents and our, our Beagle Molly. And uh, we took off on an epic road trip and uh, wow. grew up a lot on uh, on that trip at uh, 10 years old, but uh, it was fun. Um, experiences that uh, i'll never forget so that's amazing yeah I, i've uh I, i've never ventured uh, alaska way you know what i mean it's one of those mm-hmm. things they you know still kind of want to do but you know it's 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 not it's not at the top of my bucket list you know because I, i've just got so many other <laughs> places i want to go and, and and hunts i want to do and people i want to meet and, and stuff like that you know I what i mean so alaska but, uh, <clears throat> alaska one of those places once you go you will always want to go back um so I was there in 94, and I hunted there on Kodiak Island in uh, 2004, and uh, <clears throat> that was the last time I was there, and I just, I'm itching to get back up there. It's uh, it's calling. <laughs> I, really? I need to get back up there quick. Yeah, it's, uh, I miss it. But uh, the cool thing with the, you know, the trip in 94 was that we actually, you know, we took the Alcan, and not a lot of people do that these days. Um, you know, everybody just flies up there, or, you know, they miss that kind of, uh, the adventuresome aspect of it, so, <clears throat> you know. We, we took the, the full length of the Alcan, um, the Alaskan, you know, Canadian Highway or whatever. And, I mean, it's just the, the views are just epic. And um, I was – I'm not going to say I was too young to really appreciate it, but I, I probably was a little too young to appreciate it. It would be awesome and amazing to be able to take that kind of time and do that with my children these days. Mm-hmm. Or even just to do it myself and really appreciate it and soak it all in. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, that's, that's, that's awesome. So um, – as far as like hunting heritage, right? Um, yeah. For your for your family, uh, what's that looking like? Uh, my grandfather was a uh, my dad's father was a kind of uh, he's bigger fisherman than he was a hunter. Um, he, I think he only ever killed one legal deer in his <clears> life. <throat> um, <laughs> he lived. They lived up in Traverse City uh, when gramps was growing up and you know so there there was a lot of sustenance hunting that went on right and, you know yeah. we shot a couple of does here there with a 22 in the back of the head type deal mm-hmm. um not in season type deal but he uh he did shoot a six point with a 30 30 in 1977 i think it is i've actually got the the antlers uh up upstairs um on a plaque and whatnot but uh outside of that i mean he was never really big into bow hunting or anything like that um like i said more of a fisherman more of a, a duck hunter um but dad picked up a a recurve in 76 77 somewhere in that range and mm-hmm. uh fell in love and by the time the ladies rolled around he was very proficient very involved um one of the uh one of the founding members of the Michigan traditional bow hunters, um, went on to be 
uh, president of the organization in 92 or 93. Um, oh, he, he hunted with a uh, longbow recurve uh, with the exception of like half a season. And I want to say it was 80, somewhere between 83 and 85. I can't remember exactly what, but um, he, uh, <clears throat> you know, he, of course, compounds were starting to get bigger and that was, that was the big rage. And he was like, ah, I'm going to go do it. And he, went down to ted brooks the local uh, archery shop and in, in town and bought a compound and whatever went out and killed a deer with it and he's like ah this is freaking stupid and went back sold the <laughs> sold the <laughs> compound back and and bought a i think it was like a kodiak hunter or something like that or a uh, super k and uh <clears throat> went back and you know started hunting with the recurve again um and uh so he's he was like i said he was pretty not pretty involved he was really involved in uh organized organized archery for a long time and uh uh what he became a pbs regular member in 94 or 95 um and then went on to become a, a councilman for the pbs and uh late 2000s uh, i think he served six or seven years as a council member for the oh. professional honor society um so you know like bow hunting and, and deer hunting and all that it has been a i grew up with it like um my dad was an only child um, we, my mother didn't have a really great relationship with her father and, and her stepmother so we didn't really see a lot of them so holidays and whatnot um what i can remember you know like thanksgiving and christmas and all that were spent with our our my, my parents best friends you know it was the the family we met along the way type deal so <laughs> i remember like christmas morning or not well thanksgiving morning my parents would wake my sister and i up at i don't know three thirty four o'clock in the morning load us up in the car in our sleeping bags drive to tom and ann's um and then we'd just go to sleep there and, and so my mom and dad could go hunt and then mom would come back, you know, everybody come back from the morning hunt and uh, my mom would help make Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. And we did do Thanksgiving dinner and then um, the family, you know, the, everybody would go back out and they would hunt for the evening. And oh, um, wow. yeah, that was just, that was how I grew up and um, <laughs> the, the, the stuff like that, that I always remember. Um, but, but hunting has always been, uh, it, in my family, like a, a, a huge integral part of our kind of being like it's, it, it's, I don't want to say it defines the darlings, but it is like, it's a huge part of us, like that right. aspect. And, um, so I, you know, my dad put a, put a bow in my hand when I was like three years old, it was, uh, I, I think a bear panda at the time, uh, one of the, it was, you know, one of the kids compounds or whatever. I, 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 and I shot at that for a couple of years until I moved up to, uh, I think it was Tim Miggs mighty stick, um, longbow and, uh, shot that for years. And then I, uh, moved up to, uh, Appalachian archery youth bow. I don't remember what the name of that one was, but I shot that for four or five years until, um, I was 13 and, uh, we had just moved back to Michigan. It was 97 and, uh, you couldn't like kids. It was very difficult for kids to hunt out East. Um, you had, uh, I don't think, I don't even think I was allowed to bow hunt. Um, but in Michigan at that, at that time, the legal age for bow hunting, um, was 12 years old. And mm -hmm. 
Um, so I came back and I was of legal age to bow hunt or whatever. And, and I was really small and my dad was like, uh, like just for perspective, I, I was about four ten, four eleven, and about 85 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> and my dad was like, you know, <clears throat> do you want to hunt this year? I'm like, yeah, I want to hunt this year. And he's like, do you want to bow hunt? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, do you want to hunt with a, you know, a traditional bow or do you want to go a compound route? And it was, there was no question. Like I wanted to shoot traditional and, um, <laughs> So we went and we traded my trip. Uh, uh, we went to a, a shoot, and uh, there was a what's become a very good friend of mine, uh, Lonnie Collins, was there with recycled recurves. And um, my dad had brought, uh, you know, some kind of Fred Bear memorabilia stuff that uh, is trading stock, and then my my youth bow. And um, we traded my bow, and it was like a it was one of the, the, the pictures of Fred Bear with his tiger, if I remember correctly, um, on like hard stock and um Jeez. and a couple of the bear bow hangers i don't know if you're familiar with those but they're no uh they're like they're made out of like mdf um and they like screw to the wall and you, you can hung an unstrung recurve on them they, they, oh like, okay okay like a display thing yeah or like a yep. storage thing yep yep so uh, he had a couple of those and like i said that that uh fred bear print and then my my youth or my youth bow and um traded that to Lonnie for uh, a 69 Kodiak Magnum, 47 at 28, and a 69 Grizzly, 69 at 28. It was a 58-inch Grizzly, um, and it was like a, not 47 at 28. Anyway, they were both the same weight. One was yeah. longer than the other. Um, kind of let's see what you prefer and, you know, kind of feel it out. And so I took them home and – Shot them both quite a bit, and I just shot the Kodiak Magnum a lot better. I mean, obviously, with my small stature at that time, the Kodiak Magnum really fit me well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I love the Grizzly, but the, the Kodiak Magnum was just a better fit for me. Yeah. And um, so I started hunting that year with that. You know, I practiced my ass off all summer um, after we got home. And, uh, you know, or after I picked that bow up and, uh, you know, I limited myself to 10 yards and, and under and um, – built up uh went up to vicks archery up in uh just south of grand rapids and um sadly that shop's no longer there it was a hell of a hell of an archery shop he had a decent traditional selection and then of course you know he had all the modern stuff too but vic for compass was uh he he was a hell of an archery guru and um anyway uh we bear shafted a bunch of arrows and then uh Picked up a dozen of uh, Easton uh, 1818s in autumn orange and uh, brought them home and we cap dipped them and crested them and I fletched them up and I uh, was lucky enough to actually harvest the, the biggest buck I've ever killed um, that year with it. Uh, no kidding. Yeah. So what, what, what year was this? 1997. 97. Okay. So even in 97, like you guys are like a maybe it shouldn't be as a shock to me or whatever, but you said you were bear shafting and things like that. To my mind, it's like, I know guys like did it and stuff, but it's almost, um, the way, when I think of, um, not that it's like that, that long, I guess it's over 20 years ago. Jesus, I'm old. Um, but it, 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 it I wouldn't think that guys were like into like bear shafting and tuning and all that stuff. Cause am, am I wrong about that? Or is this still in the, in the we phase know. of just kind of grip it, rip it and, uh, this, you know, you know, honestly, it was, it was, a, we want to find the arrows that are going to fly the best out of your bow. Um, and, and so, I mean, 
it, we weren't, you know, it, I remember bear shafting them, um, but that wasn't something that we typically did. Uh, my dad, my dad's still, a, <clears throat> yeah, this should be good, you know, in if you know, stand behind it and you know, watch you shoot your arrow, and yeah, it looks like she's flying straight. She's not porpoising. She's not fishtailing. You're good to go. Yeah. Um, my dad, <laughs> my dad's, uh, you know, honestly, he's kind of at the point where he, he's he's stepping away because he just he, he doesn't want to get in arguments he, he's it, what he's seeing today is not what he you know not what he grew up with and what not what um i i i don't i don't know exactly how to say this but <clears throat> the the draw to traditional archery should be keep it simple stupid right and yeah. While I've kind of gone down some of the rabbit hole of paper tuning and bear shafting, I hate bear shafting um, in all honesty, but I'll paper tune on occasion. But I, you know what? The last couple of years, I've just gone back to Woody's and they fly. They're, they're so easy to damn tune. They're so easy to tune. They fly great, you know, and um, they're forgiving. You know, micro diameter carbon shafts, as great and grand as they are, they're a pain in the fucking ass to tune. Excuse my language, but oh, I, I mean, like, yeah. um, they can be a, they can be a pain to tune. I mean, they're just, um, yeah. And sometimes, you know, and I, I can get them. I can get them flying great, but it's a lot of work and effort. When I can, you know, you, you, I get a dozen shafts, you know, or you know, a dozen woodies, and slap 125 grain broadhead on a full length shaft. And guess what? They fly like friggin' darts and I don't have to think about it. You know, if I want to run at 200 grain, I can just, you know, I can, I can chop two or three under, you know, two or three inches off the front of it, retaper it and, and, and play, you know, I can play with it that way, but you know, it, so yeah, I I mean, I guess back back to the original point, you know, yeah, we bear shafted, but that wasn't, I'm not going to say that that was typical. It was, we needed to find arrows, um, and because of my minuscule draw length, I was drawn like 24, 25 inches. Um, it, Dad really wasn't sure where to start. And, um, yeah. you know, so Vix was the, the, the man to go to and uh, went up there. And that was, um, you know, of course, the compound, you guys were, were doing the paper tuning. They were doing the bear shafting and all that stuff. So, you know, when we went up there, you know, Vic just put me kind of in that same category. We're going to find arrows and we're going to do it the way that we do it at the archery shop. So, mm-hmm. but you know, dad's like, well, you're shooting a 60 pound bow and you're drawing 27 inches. You should be somewhere between a 55, 60 or a 60, 65, depending on the point weight. Um, let's, you know, here I've got one, let's shoot it. Oh, yep. Yeah, nope. That's not going to work. Okay. We, you know, we'll try another one and yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's flying straight and that's good enough. And I tell you what, my dad's killed and, and guys like my dad have killed a lot of stuff i I don't want to say significantly (laughs) more animals than you know but they've killed a ton of animals doing it the old way and not to say that the 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 you know the air quote new way is is bad or or good or or whatever or one's better than the other but at some point you know where did we lose focus of just fling some arrows and have some fucking fun? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of, of, um, 
going down the hole. Like I, I'm, I'm like a tuning nerd, right? Right. Um, like you said, you hate uh, bear shaft. I think I love bear shafting. I hate paper tuning. I'm like the opposite, but because um, it, it just I, I like. Okay, so I so I think there can be like good enough, right? Because I will like shoot I don't know fletched arrows out of out of the bows I got sitting up here, mm-hmm. and I can get different spines and different lengths and different whatever. But I, and they're they're all going to bear shaft different, right? Or mm-hmm. they'll be like slightly too stiff or slightly whatever, or depending on how I torque something, or if it's not as forgiving a bow and I don't do it, you know, I don't have my release just right, or if I have my grip not just right. And, you know, I'm finding that, yeah, I mean, we're not talking like sideways slapping the riser as it's going by kind of, you know, out of tune, but it can be kind of stiff or kind of damn weak. And, you know, I hate the sound because I, I used to make fun of these guys and I still kind of do. But the ones like, you know, that's what Fletcher's for, you know, well, it's like, well, it, it does correct, you know, that very, is very, very, for. very, <laughs> it is what Fletcher's for. No, exactly. And it would almost like anger me when people say that, though, they'd be like, well, because to me, it's like, OK, but you're not trying to um, a kind of tune for the best that your equipment can be. You know what I mean? Because I'm always trying to do like because. I've got faults as far as like release and grip and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So why wouldn't I want my, my, my equipment to be the absolute, you know, like just tuned to the tits, like perfect as it can possibly be. You know what I mean? But, you know, because and, you and have to, to do the, because yeah. unless you're shooting off of a shooting machine or, you know, a, 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 a hooter shooter. Yeah. All that goes out the window. You because, need feathers. <laughs> it, well, you need when it comes, it, it, you do because when you impart the human element into it, it all goes out the window. So yeah. unless you've got the most perfect, epically good form at all times, at all angles, and you can't have that at all angles because when we bow hunt, you're sitting in a tree stand or you're in a saddle, you're on the ground, you're on your knees. You know, they, like there's situations where. I have to turn around and face the tree, you know, in my tree stand, or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm leaning out to, you know, to make a shot. It, you, your, your foot placement isn't always perfect. You know, um, I missed a doe earlier this year because when I went to draw, my elbow hit the freaking, you know, I, it, my elbow bumped into the tree, you know, and I had to readjust and then I came to full draw and, you know, I shot over her back. It just it, shit like that. It's the human element where everything can be great, but, whether you call it Murphy or the human element or whatever, yeah, it, it can be perfect, but your setup can be perfect, but that's for trying to do the perfect thing. And I guess, yeah. um, like new shooters, I, you know, if you want to spend the money and you want to do it, go to Tom, Clum, you know, do the Tom Clum course or find a good coach. That's, that's awesome advice. Most people don't have a really good coach that can be hunt bow hunting specific, or hunting specific or, or tailored to hunting mm-hmm. relatively close to them do what you can but just be consistent with what the hell you're doing you can yeah. have a shit release but as long as your shit release is the same every time you're the the arrow is going to do the same thing every time if you drop your bow arm every time at least you know and, and you do it the same way every time at least it's consistent and i'm not saying that's that, that that's great but Traditional archery and, and traditional bow hunting is really a game of consistency. So you can be – and look at – Howard Hill was a snap shooter. Fred yeah. Bear was a snap shooter. Glenn St. Charles was a snap shooter. Tell me a guy that's gone out and done the kind of shit that those guys did. Yeah. 
I, I the, mean, the, the, and, but the argument is too, and, and I don't know how much because you never hear about it. Is you know, someone will say, "I'm playing devil's advocate." Well, you never hear you never hear about all the shit that they wounded and lost, right? And you probably never will. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I think ethics were different. I, I don't know about ethics, well, but no, I mean, like, what was acceptable? Yeah, and I think what was acceptable was different. I mean, you know, they 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 would they would shot at a hundred yards. It's like Aaron Snyder territory. We uh. On on the trip up to Alaska, we got to sp- we we wanted to swing through. Dad wanted to swing through Northwest Archery, and um, so he pulled into Seattle. That's Glen St. Um, Charles's. Uh, Glen St. Charles's right. shop. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we pulled in there, and it was late in the afternoon, like four o'clock, and we wanted to go. In, you know, so we went in and whatever. And Dad introduced himself to Glenn, and he's like, "Oh shit! Well, what are you guys doing for dinner?" Dad's like, "I don't know." And he's like, "Oh, we're taking you out to dinner." So they took us out to dinner, um, and then the next day they're like, "Oh no, no, you're not leaving." Um, my sister's birthday was coming up, and um, Marilyn, Glenn's wife, her thing was like she would make all the girls uh, satin pillowcases, and they're like, "We're gonna throw a birthday party for your daughter." Yeah. So we got to spend the entire next day at the Pope and Young Museum, which at the time was at Northwest Archery, um, and my dad got to spend a ton of time with Glenn. Um, and I got to spend some time with him as well. I don't remember, like, I didn't take all that in. Like, it, it's all stuff that, you know, like, you wish you could have appreciated more. Sure. Um, but uh, at the end of it, um, I did get, and it's the only one Glenn ever did, but um, uh, an official Pope and Young scoring measuring tape that he engraved. He, he signed it with an engraver on the back of it. Oh, um, so... Yeah, and anyhow, but with all that, you know, the, the talking my dad would, did with Glenn, um, you know, there was stuff like that. You know, they would they would shoot across the field. At, you know, there's three deer, and we'd shoot, you know. But if they wounded one, they would track it. And the woodsmanship that those guys had, the, the woodsmanship most guys have today pales in comparison to the woodsmanship those guys had. Yes, they would take those shots, but they followed them up, and they would – they were able to track those deer down or those animals down and, and recover them. I mean, mm-hmm. in without the aid of a dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Fair point. Yeah. I've never heard that. I've never actually uh, heard, heard someone say that part of it before. So yeah, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. And so, yeah, ethics may have been a little bit different, but you know, they followed up on what the hell they did. They didn't just, well, you know, it's been 200 yards, and I, I I can't find any more blood, and I'm 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 done. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I I don't know. It, you know, it, there's there's a lot to be said about having perfect form and, and perfect tune and everything else. And I, I get it. You know, if that's the rabbit hole you want to go down, do it. And if if that's what if that's what cranks you, go like have at it. I really just like shooting my bow and the last bow that I really tried to like, I ended up selling a bow, getting rid of a bow that I was shooting perfectly fine until I started trying to paper tune it. And then I couldn't get rid of a knock left, you know, a a, a left tear. I'm like, I I have no idea what the hell's going on. I get this high left tear and, um, you know, and I, and I was smoking shit at 60 yards. You know, I, 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 I've got, I can pace off in my yard 
um, you know, 60 yard shot and I was, you know, keeping them well within a pie plate and I was, you know, working on, I, I wasn't ever going to take a 60 yard shot at an animal, but, you know, keeping, you know, arrows at 60 yards, you know, in a pie plate is pretty good to me. And then, you know, at 20 yards, I'm keeping them in a Copenhagen can. I'm doing a great job and this is pre-clicker, pre-everything else um, for me. And, um, then I decided that I wanted to try and paper. I wanted to put it on paper and I wanted to get the arrows perfect. Cause I was, I, I would occasionally have some bad arrow flight, which was more than likely just me having, doing something stupid, whether it was dropping my bow arm or whatever. Mm. And I got so frustrated with it. I sold the ball. It got in and your I, head. It got in my head. Uh, yeah. And, and at that point I was like, you know, I really don't like And I, the next bow I got, I, I, I was still kind of in that mode and i and i paper tuned that and you know i was putting bullet holes and um you know it is what it is but it, i look back on that and i'm like man that really sucked because i like i really enjoyed that bow i liked that bow i shot it well but i let it get into my head and i could like there was no there was just nothing else that i could do like i i, I had tried damn near every arrow combination i could think of i you know i adjusted brace height um you know close to an inch you know i uh freaking three quarters of an inch um positive on my you know um uh knock height you know shit like that it, you know like knock all over the place trying to figure you know trying to knock you know figure it out and i just i i couldn't get i couldn't get it and it just it was just getting to the point where a frustration and anger that i'm like i just i gotta get rid of this bow because i just like it, like you said it got it in my head yeah <laughs> yeah the, the the form thing is um yeah you know you're right so right now i'm I'm shooting so i'm looking at my wall here right so i've got two i've got two 1966 bear grizzlies um one's a 50 pounder one's one i pull about like 41 42 pounds and then i'm also shooting this uh this java man elk cart and yep. also about 42 pounds about 27 inch now the grizzly i because it's you know cut the shelf is cut, you know, pretty, you know, two center or whatever it is. It's pretty wide, pretty, you know, pretty broad. Um, I, I like shooting off a of bare weather rest because I think okay. it, it just, it just eliminates a lot of, a lot of issues, right? I can be sloppy on my form with that, with that group, with either one of these two grizzlies. Um, and I can still have like pretty damn good flight. Okay. And I'm like, oh yeah, check me out. I'm a good shooter, you know, but then I'll pick up the L cart. And it, because it's a longbow, because it's, you know, the shelf is like very narrow, it's kind of, kind of you know, like the, the shelf and the, uh, the side plate, you know, they, they make like a kind of a tighter V. Yep. You can't put an elevated rest on there. I made my own little kind of like leather bump on there. Um, and it's flying amazing off of that. But I find that kind of going back a little bit, you know, one one day, like one thing works for you and all of a sudden, like you're shooting and you're like, well, what the hell happened? Well, nothing happened. I mean, you can check your brace, you can check your poundage, you can check all that with with what I've got tuned here. I'm making a long, a, a short story long here, but with what I've got tuned for this bow, um, it's a gold tip. It's a 500 spine uh, gold tip. It's like twenty nine something inches or whatever it is. Uh, Hundred grain brass. So. I can have that perfect bear shaft. And with like 145 grain tip, say like a 150 up front. Okay, so so mm -hmm. 250 total. Yep. 
and I'll be shooting that fine, and I'll be, you know, whatever, and I'll just, you know, okay, switch the, you know, uh, fletched uh, arrows and stuff, adjust a little bit for sh uh, shelf bump, uh, because you do get a little bit of a shelf bump. There's, you just can't, you, you can't get rid of that. I can't get rid of that. No, um, flying great. Mm -hmm. And then I'll pick it up again, and I'll do another bear shaft, and I'm like, whoa, this thing is like way too stiff. You know, like it's it's not way way too, but I mean it's like stiff. The hell's going on? So instead of the 145, I just did it today. Actually, instead of the 145 grain tip, I'll I'll, I'll jump up to like a 200 or a 225 up front. Mm -hmm. You know, which which makes it like a 580 some grain arrow out of a 42 pound bow, but still, um, I, I like how it flies. But but that just kind of illustrates like if I don't have an absolute like perfect release, like if I do. The perfect like pullback expansion and like a shpow kind of release you know mm -hmm. then it flies the way it's supposed to fly uh very very slightly weak air shaft which is kind of what i what, what i kind of aim for right but then if i don't do that or if i have a little bit of slightest bit of torque in my hand in my grip or or, or whatever then it's significantly or not okay i don't want to say significantly like noticeably stiff and mm -hmm. it's like a big swing. It goes from slightly stiff to, or a slightly weak to pretty stiff. Right. And that's all me. Nothing else changed. The brace height didn't change. The, the, the arrow didn't change, you know, and I'm chasing, you know, tip weight. And I, and I finally settled on, okay, um, I'm, I'm going to run with a, with a 200 grain tip. But in reality, shooting either one fletched, my eye can't tell the difference because it recovers so quickly. I can tell the difference when it's mm -hmm. bear shaft. But Excellent. I can shoot either one of those two damn ones, and I can shoot a 600 spine arrow, which is a, a lot shorter and with mm -hmm. less tip weight, and I can run like three different arrow combinations on this thing, and it's just, you know, which one do I like? Well, I settled on the, the 570 grain arrow because it's heavy, and I'm only shooting, you know, uh, you know, 15 yards, whatever, and under kind right. of thing. So, yep. um, so th this kind of leads me to my question, like when you... Uh, I, I don't know whether you'd want to call it tuning or not or whatever, but when you're, when you're setting up your setup, like the arrows for whatever bow that you happen to be shooting for now, you're, you're shooting, you're setting it up for as a bow hunter, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if you do what I do. What I try to do is yes, if I sit there and I stand up perfectly upright and do have that perfect T formation and expand and this and that, I mean, I can get well over 28 inches, right? If I'm expanding the way I think I'm supposed to be expanding, I've never taken any of the courses. So, you know, some coach would be like, no, you're doing it all wrong. But I mean, I can get a whole lot more expansion, right. whole lot more draw length. But, you know, just and by the way, I've, I've yet to shoot anything with my traditional bow. Okay, I'm not talking like I'm some sort of like, you know, I got a pile of animals with, with right. a stick and a string kind of thing. But I practice a fuck ton in like, you know, weird conditions and, and, and twist it around and through, uh, you know, around brush and branches and contorted and, and leaning over and all that stuff. And I, I found, and whether this is right or not, and this is the way I keep coming back to this, that because I can't get to that full 28 or whatever, I basically, um, I shoot with a clicker. I've ended mm -hmm. up shortening my clicker shorter and shorter and shorter so that in all of those conditions, I can get to my clicker and um, fire it off. So I'm like 27, 26 and three quarter on, okay. on a lot of these when I know I can be an easily inch, inch and a half longer draw length. Right. But and then that's what I tune my arrows to, because why would I want to tune to more energy when I know I'm not going to get that kind of power stroke and, and poundage? Right. You know because what I mean? You're not you wearing, it, because you, because yeah. you're not wearing a polo and a chest protector when you're shooting, when you're bow hunting, <laughs> you know, right. yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, no, I, I, I set mine up, um, 
for for bow hunting conditions. Um, I when I first took Joel's class, um, <clears throat> going through all that, and then I started doing um, the push was doing the the the, the coaching tips with with Tom Clum. They were like the, the 20 minute or 25 minute episodes. And, you know, he had like each little part and I was trying to like, I, I would listen to one of those and I would try and incorporate that. And I ended up, I, I've always had, not always, um, but since I kind of grew into my frame, I've had right around a 27 inch draw length and I expanded out, you know, through all that to like 27 and a half, 27 and three quarter, not quite 28, but definitely, you know, half to three quarter inch longer draw length. And uh, so that's where my clicker was. And I was shooting great all summer long. I, I didn't even think about it. Um, and two years ago, I actually missed the the, the biggest buck of my freaking life. I'd, I've never seen a bigger buck on the hoof. Um, that's including all the 150, 160 glass whitetails that I saw when I was down um, hog hunting in Texas. I mean, this was a tank and I'm, missed him at eight yards because when i hit my clicker and that shot went off perfect it hit right at my axilla um right you know right at that that transition from your chest to your shoulder and it it hit my arm it, it, it hit my coat and that arrow came off my bow at 45 degrees and went right under his brisket and two days later, I did the exact same thing with a doe. And I thought it was something I was doing. And it clicked that I'd recalled over the summer where, you know, when I'd shoot, it, like it would, I, I would feel like a kind of a brush on my t-shirt. And I, I had never processed that. So I ended up, I, I shortened my clicker back up to 27 inches and I have had zero issues with shooting clearance and string clearance since then. Um, so that's, I, I, I shoot everything. I go, I've gone back to 27 inches. Um, all, all of my hunting clothing, you know, it, it clears that just fine. You know, I throw some rubber bands or some, uh, electrical tape around my, uh, upper arm if I've got, you know, a little bit of bulk, but, uh, I've been, you know, the, the new jacket that I've got, it's a lot tighter in the upper arm. And, uh, so I don't have to worry about that anymore. And yeah, it, uh. I, while I could try and friggin' set up an arrow and, and shoot more for going to, um, you know, 3D shoots or whatever, um, I just, I focus on bow hunting and that's, that's always been my focus. I've never been a target archer. Um, I, I, I don't, don't chase that. It, it, you know, um, you go to the shoots, the 3D shoots during the summer and, um, the last couple of years, two or three years, um, since I started Kalamazoo Bowworks, I, I have not been able to really shoot much at those, uh, at the shoots because I'm, I'm in my booth all day. And, um, but when I was able to shoot more of them, I would, we would have fun with them. You know, we'd try and make the most difficult shot we could, or try and make, you know, like a bow hunting type shot. If it was more of, you know, like you, you walk up to the stakes or whatever, and it's a really open shot. Well, let's shoot from over here and try and shoot through this or whatever. And, um, to make it a little bit more challenging, more fun. But I'm not shooting for a 10 ring. I'm shooting for a good kill shot. So, you know, if we make that shot something that's quartering away or something like that, that arrow may want to impact at the very outside of the kill zone, you know. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of the way 
we've always done it like you know my myself and, and the 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 people that i've always hung around with and shot with you there emra hello There we go. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yep. Sorry, somehow I muted my microphone, and I don't know how I did that. But yeah, I listened. <laughs> I, I heard everything you said about about the. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, I I'm not in this nearly as long as you are. Obviously, like, this is like probably my. I'm gonna say like like fourth full year, like actually shooting traditional, and probably like second year. Well, two two and a half, like like trying to hunt with one, like in like full on hunt with one, um, yeah. and maybe five years total with the first year, a little bit of dabbling and, and quitting three times and coming back to it. Cause I hate quitting and, and then, you know, whatever, <laughs> but <laughs> no, no shit. I probably bought and sold two Samick sages and a bear grizzly in that, in that first year. And I, I'm lucky I didn't snap them over my, um, I, I just, I didn't get it. You know, I, it took me a long time, like to, to, to shoot well. And I think I shoot pretty well now, but I, it took me a long time, but I think you kind of, um, you you try out different stuff you try out different mm -hmm. bows you try out different lengths poundages styles grips all that stuff and then you just kind of eliminate one thing after another after another after another I, I i recently well not recently i don't know several months back i did an episode on um uh just all the bows that that i've been shooting in the last like several years you know that have kind of come through here and um kind of boiled it down to okay well he, these are the attributes that i like in a bow and these are the right. attributes that I know I don't like in a bow. Um, for example, like hill style bow, I gave it a shot. I gave the Northern Mist a shot. Uh, I as soon as I put my like my fingers around that grip, I, I mean it wanted to jump out of my hand. I'm like, oh, there's no way. You know, <laughs> it just it just you know, and nothing against Northern Mist. It's it's like the hill style no, bow. But it, um, you know, when you go with that D shaped you know D shaped longbow, um, and you go with that standard american style grip or the hill style hill style grip i mean if you don't have monster hands it feels mm -hmm. massive in your hand and if especially for guys coming from a compound or someone that's used to shooting a recurve with a very high wrist that it, it's a weird feeling to get used to you know because you in, instead of you know shooting with your thumb forward your thumb is up you yeah. know because you know and, and, and so you're breaking your wrist which is odd for a lot of people and, and trying to learn that and some guys take to it and they're like oh man this is awesome but if you, you know, a lot of guys that transition to hill bows if you look at their hands they're like they, they could be nba players you know <laughs> or a wide receiver they got like, yeah. they got just big meaty paws um it just it i think that that tends to be more of a big hand kind of uh, grip yeah, I mean, it actually hurt to like. It actually physically hurt to draw the damn bow because um, it, it felt better when I held the bow backwards. Let's put it that way, because it's got that hard line. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of skinnier in the palm than it is in, in the front side of the bow. And I'm sorry, I call the front of the bow the front of the bow. I can't stand old time terminology. It drives me it's nuts. The, you know, the, the belly should belly, be. Man. Oh, fuck. The belly, belly should belly, be in the goddamn dancing. front. The back is the back and the belly is the belly. <laughs> it drives me nuts. Bow because it's intimate. 
That's huh? that's that, it, you're dancing with the bow. It's intimate. You're belly to belly with it. it oh, is, okay. Weapon, right. <laughs> I, I just I can't do it, man. And, is, and when someone says fist meal too on on one of these forums, I swear to God, I want to jump through and choke them. But um, <laughs> just because they're trying to be old timey cutesy, you know, and you know they're trying to be old timey cutesy. <laughs> well, but you know, fist meal. It was you know, it's uh, it's pretty standard. I, 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 I know the history. Well, it, I know, yeah. I guess I guess the problem. I don't see the problem is um, there's a, a there's a huge disconnect right now, and, and with with this resurgence of traditional archery and, and new guys in the last five, you know, we'll say five to ten years, um, versus guys that have been doing it most of their adult life. Yeah, and and, and guys like Schaefer and myself who have been doing it our entire life. Um, where, and it, which puts guys like Schaefer and I in kind of a weird position because we grew up with the terms like fist meal and that, that old guard, I'm going to call it old guard because mm-hmm. these guys are, you know, at this point they're big, they, they're becoming the old guard. Um, and I'm talking the guys that are from. A lot of them are 45, 40, 45 on up into their 70s and 80s um, versus the, you know, the, this newer generation of triad archers. And a lot of them are between the ages of 25 and 35 who between the ages of 10 or 12 to three to four years ago have shot nothing but compound. And you don't, don't know the talk history. This. They don't. They don't know that. They don't not necessarily know the history, but they just like yeah. my. You know, Matthew's reason came with a seven and a half inch brace height, and it's it's brace height and this. You know, and yes, we all know it's brace height, but when you look at the history of the fist meal, you know, it. I'll be honest. I still check all my bows with my fucking fist and my thumb because I know that that's consistent. Like my hand's not growing, <laughs> and I can. And that's that's my ticket like i and you know what all my bows shoot great at fist meal and <laughs> I, I've, I've tried that I, I i've just just for shits and giggles i've tried doing that you know with the with the thumb and whatever and it's like well man if i if i flex this way or if i do an extra tight you know, you know what i mean like it, it it changes by like a little bit you know what i mean and i'm like man i can't trust myself to be like uh, soup you know what i mean like the, the, I the eight over ten of part of me is like eh, i'm gonna take it a tape measure out <laughs> I guess it depends on the guy, you know, it depends on your hand. Like, you know, yeah. so, you know how some people can, you know, like the, the tip of their thumb, they can bend it backward or whatever. Right. Mine doesn't do that. Mine just goes straight up. I can't yeah. like, I, once it's at 90, it's at 90. And right. you know, like, it doesn't matter how tight I clench my fist. It's really not changing much of anything. I just put my, you know, put the bottom of my hand in the deepest part and yep. Okay. She's good to go. And, uh, yeah. you know, but you know, the old standard is, and not a lot of guys are doing this. Um, of the new guard. Um, and this was one of the things when you were building your own arrows and you're cresting your own arrows, you find your brace site that works and you put a fucking line on your arrow with the cresting at your proper brace site at the back of the boat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that way you always have a visual on it. Yeah. You can, you can throw fist meal out the window and, um, but how many guys are doing that right now? 
You know, I've seen quite a few people like, I mean, it seems like they've discovered it, quote unquote, like, oh, look what I'm doing, guys. I <laughs> right. oh, I found if I did, did a Sharpie mark right here and it's like, well, duh, that's kind of <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't do it. You know what I mean? Because I, I just I just constantly check mine. But um, it's it's nothing new. <laughs> right. <laughs> but OK, but good on you for 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 coming to that conclusion. At least you're doing some critical thinking, you know. <laughs> right. And, and well, and you know what I found is it, it, like with standard spacing on um, from knock to the back of the fletching yeah on a five and a half inch shield should put it right at about the back of my bow it, right right at the back you know at the belly of the bow yeah so from the valley of the knock to the belly of the bow five and a half inch shield or parabolic whatever i like five and a half inch shields i i'm that kind of guy you're a big <laughs> you feather know? guy yeah i'm a big feather guy and i you know what i don't just like shields i like high back shields they just it's always been my thing i like big fletching and you know what you like the sound I, the air horn to the deer so they <laughs> give them a chance when they're not <laughs> the arrows coming you know what i've had more deer take arrows flat-footed than you know a, 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 trad lab the shit out of it do all your sound tests you want you know, I, I, I still think anecdotal evidence comes, you know, like, like perfect conditions for for scientific testing are one thing. But when you mm -hmm. put something out in the field and you have wind noise and a squirrel chattering over here and acorns dropping over here. Yeah. <laughs> how much of a difference is it really making it? The more important part is making sure your bow's quiet when you shoot it. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, when when you drop the string, your bow needs to be as quiet as possible. The arrow, it's just wind. Deer hear wind all the time. They're not jumping the string because of fletching making noise. There, it may be a vented broadhead whistling, mm -hmm. that, you know, a, a big snuffer. Yeah, but I don't think it's fletching noise. Personal yeah, so, opinion. Uh, no, 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 I, I hear you. But, I mean, I, I can, okay, I, I'm not a deer, right? But so on, on these grizzlies, I'm shooting the trad veins because I'm shooting, shooting him off or off a rest off the elk cart. I'm just shooting feathers because the trad veins, even though they're supposed to, they don't, they don't, they don't quite fly as good <laughs> no, no. off of, off of a shelf. Um, and I know people argue that up and down, but they, they just don't. And I think it's because the, you know, the, the individual, not the quills, but when you know, the, the feathers or whatever, as mm -hmm. it's going by, lay down, right? They can yeah. kind of like individually lay down. The trad vein, even though as soft as it is, and even though it's kind of coming at an angle, because you because you've got the the offset or the helical, mm -hmm. um, it's it's not laying down. And I'm talking off the shelf, right? I mean, it, it's it's yeah. it's paradoxing around around the vertical, or, you know, horizontally. That's fine. Right. And but off the shelf, I'm, I was I was getting a action. slight, 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 slight bounce. Mm -hmm. And it was ticking me off, and then I switched to feathers, and I'm not getting that bounce anymore. But anyway, um, <laughs> I can I can I can hear the difference between the trad vein, which is like dead quiet, compared to, to I'm only shooting like four inch parabolics, mm -hmm. you know, and I I can hear the difference now. If I was a deer, would I know what the hell that was, or even would it concern me? I have no idea. I don't have I don't have experience. I don't have experience putting these these things through animals to be like, oh, this deer did this, but this deer didn't do that with, you know, with with this vein, but it did that with this feather, and you know what I mean? I I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm saying I can hear the difference, but I don't know in the real world if it actually makes a difference or not. I, I don't know. I really wish 
that more guys, myself including included, would were able to, or not were able to. I mean, especially in the last fifteen years, it's become significantly easier to video yourself. Yeah. Um. But I, to me, it's just one extra thing that I don't want to dick with. And I think to a lot of guys, you know, if you're in traditional archery, you're doing it because you want to keep it simple, right? Mm-hmm. So like videoing all that. Um. But. I, I can tell you, at least shooting longbow, um, and my dad and I used to have, um, on some of the properties we hunted, we used to have stands that were as close as 20 yards apart. Um, you know, we could actually see each other, mm-hmm. um, watch, you know, 20 to 50 yards apart. You, you could watch somebody shoot a deer and I've witnessed my dad shoot deer, you know, shooting five and a half inch high back shields, um, you know cut on a young feather burner um you know it, it, with a you know a, a whole you know late season with a with a group of does and, and young ones and a whole nine yards yeah and that freaking deer takes that flat foot as hell they like they're they're none the wiser of what just happened yeah um i've you when know, you're saying flat-footed, they're just they're they're not they're not uh, they're not uh, jumping the string. They're not donkey. loaded up. They're not dropping. They're right. not yeah. Yeah, they're not. It's just like what the hell just happened, you know? And yeah. they, you know, and, and that arrow hits, and then they're gone. Yeah. But all the other deer are sitting there like, what the fuck just happened? You're like, yeah. you know, and yeah. they're just kind of looking around. Yeah, where's Susan? Where's she run off to? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let's <laughs> go back to eating acorns or whatever, you know. Yeah. And um, it, you know, the the doe I just shot um the other night. Um, she did the same thing. The doe that I shot, that I missed, um, on opening day, on opening morning, you know, she flat footed, I like didn't duck the string, didn't do anything. I mean, like it, it, it was, I didn't miss her because she, you know, she dropped. I missed her because I fucked up and my arrow went over top of her, yeah. um, you know, yeah, you missed her because uh, you missed her. It, right. And you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big feather guy. Um, I, I know there are positives to trad veins, um, it, it, you know, and you go back to the eighties, Paul Schaefer was running straight veins off mm-hmm. an elevated rest on, you know, on a Schaefer silver tips. Yeah. I mean, it is nothing new. Um, but Paul was typically hunted a lot of bears and he hunted in a lot of rough conditions, wet conditions, constantly rough. If I was hunting the Pacific Northwest, if, you know, if I was hunting Roosevelt elk, Roosevelt elk or something like that, yeah, I would more seriously highly consider going to, going to trad veins. But <clears throat> I was just talking to a buddy the other day, you know, we've had a lot of rain here. I don't know about um, how you guys have been over the last, you know, couple weeks. We've had a bunch of rain, you know, on the opening weekend was rainy most of the weekend. And he's like, have you been out at all? And I'm like, yeah, I, I got out opening day, but that was it. And I'm like, I've seen perfectly hit deer leave shit blood trails. And to me, I don't, (laughs) you know, the, the negatives don't, or the positives don't outweigh the negatives when it comes to hunting in the rain, even, Mm -hmm. even if it's a light rain, um, blood trailing can be hard enough, even on a perfectly hit animal. And if you do screw something up, it makes it it can make it that much more difficult and say it's a gut shot animal and you have to wait 12 to 24 hours to go recover it and it's been raining for that time on your blood trail <laughs> what the hell are you gonna do you yeah, know forget about it yeah and um so i you know to me i just there's not really a huge uh in don't get me wrong like i, I i've 
fledged up a half dozen arrows with, with trad veins on them because yeah what the hell i'm gonna try them out but i'd like you i was having an issue where i was getting uh, a bump i mean like the trad veins were not flying the same as my feathers yeah and um it just man in dry to semi-dry conditions or you know light mist it, 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 unless you're crunching through the brush or you know spot and stock type hunting or it's torrential downpour i don't really see why you feathers are still king in my opinion i mean yeah and and honestly they're more durable than trad veins are i i would i would yeah i'd argue with that i i mean i would i would argue yes that that's that's probably true um I do get waviness out of the out of the trad veins, but it takes a long time. I mean, I, but but yeah. I've also seen people um, just straight up say, "Oh, they hate them. They're ripping off. They're they're tearing and this and that." And it's like, well, I don't know if you got something wrong going with your tune there, because I mean, I've shot like thousands and thousands of arrows out of this 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 grizz here with with these trad mm-hmm. veins, and yeah, they get. I mean, I'm 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 playing with them right now. They're, I mean, they get a little bit uh, wavy here and there, especially where they go in. You know, where the you know the the, the um, the vertical and horizontal plane kind of meet, you know, right in that yep. in that groove. But, um, yeah, I, I I've never I've I've never really had that that problem with that. Um, the problem I had with with regular feathers was just kind of walking around. Like you said, if you're going to walk around through, um, through brush, uh, through marsh, uh, especially like early morning or something like that. If you're kind of like marsh busting through stuff and, um, you know, the morning dew, or if you're going to hunt. Um, uh, you know, in, in the, you know, our season goes to the end of December, but there's also like small game that goes to the end of February. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like I could be out, um, you know, when it's, when it's lightly snowing or drizzling or, or whatnot, yep. it's, it's those conditions. And, and I did notice, you know, they, they get matted down. So, um, but I, but I do like running the feathers better. And I guess, uh, since we're talking about that, do you use, any kind of like uh, like spray or anything like that on on, on yours because I've, I've 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 realized that we know with the elk cart I, I just can't shoot the trad veins so I'm just gonna stick with uh, the feathers but that being I, said um I want to maybe if there's a, a good spray I want to 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 try it you know just just I, for just for that um, occasion I don't typically um I just run them straight but if I if I know that I'm gonna be hunting in 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 difficult conditions like when I went to Kodiak um. I use the uh, the feather powder, um, but um, and that's this stuff actually works pretty well. You, you know, you put it in a Ziploc bag, it, it comes in a like a shaker bottle or whatever, and you put mm-hmm. it in a plastic bag, and you just kind of put the arrow in there and shake it up or whatever. Um, with you know, just around the fletching. Anyhow, um, but the best advice I have if you're going to be you know running feathers and you're worried about shit like that is to get goose feathers. Hunt with goose. Um, because goose feathers are significantly more waterproof than turkey feathers are. Really? Yeah. I mean, they spend their life in water. Well, yeah, of course, but, you know. <laughs> so, you know, the, just there's more oil content. Um, I've had um, some arrows with goose primaries on them, and they just stink in. They, the most durable, durable, resistant to water that I found um goose goose feathers and they're not terribly hard to find um obviously you're not gonna get them through true flight or uh um 
gateway. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I don't know if wild fletching carries them. I'm sure that if you send them some goose primaries, you know, you have, if you have buddies that goose hunt, tell them to save the wings. And you can send right. those in and have them processed, or you can do them yourself with uh, the Great Northern uh, Feather Processing Kit or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, goose feathers are the shit when it comes to wet weather feathers. Really? Yep. I don't know that anybody actually, like, shoots them. I, I, like, I don't know anybody that shoots them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, no, um, it's, it's not very common, but they, they are out there. And um, I got the, the the dozen arrows that I had with them. I had uh, were made by Jack Jack Denbo, um, a buddy of mine, a PBS friend. Um, he's pushing eighty now. God, I hadn't seen him in close to ten years until this year at Etar, and uh, it was great wow. to catch up with him. But uh, yeah, he made those, and he did. He makes a lot of uh, when he was making arrows. He made a lot of them with goose feathers. But uh, yeah. There, I had those, and I like I could go out and do just about any you know any weather, and they they stood straight up. They they take the water and just just like off a goose's back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. i I'm, I'm gonna look into. It. I, I I really like I really like my um see these four inch deals here, and I've got like a crap ton of feathers. I've been selling them on. Uh, on the, one of the, the forums there, the traditional um, archery forums, because uh, the local archery shop that's literally like three like three minutes away from my house here, um, he had like, fuck, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm looking at like well, one, two, three, four, five, six, twelve, maybe like twenty twenty four boxes of mostly True Flight stuff, but there's some others in there that, that say True Flight, but it's spelled differently. Um, okay. And I, I and I, I sent some to uh, to Suzanne St. Charles actually, and she's like, "Hey, by the way, these are not true true flight. They're they're different. Just FYI." And I was like, "Oh, I never even you know, um, I, I never even dawned on me that they, that they look different." But most of the ones I got sitting here are uh, are in like boxes. You know what I mean? They're they're yeah. they're um they're loose in boxes. And he, I mean, he had them downstairs. Uh, it, it's mostly a compound shop. You know, yep. and uh, he had him downstairs for like forever. And we got to talking one day and then and he's like, hey, do you want any feathers? And I'm like, well, yeah, he's like, I got a crap ton down there. He's like, I don't know what to do with them. And I went down there and I'm like, well, I'll take them off your hands, but I'm letting you know, like, I'm going to sell these. Like, you know, people, you know, I'll sell them at a good price. And he's like, I don't care. So I, I think I'm out of my shop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're just taking up space. And I'm like, so imagine like 24 like boxes of anywhere from like one to 3000 feathers in each one of them. I, I bought the entire lot for 300 bucks. <laughs> nice. And there's five inch, there's uh, four inch, there's three inch. Um, most of the snazzy colors are gone. I'm kind of looking now. So I'm, I'm down to like the, like the light Brown, dark Brown, olive, you know, black, uh, a lot of the shark. I've got like a bunch of four, uh, four inch chartreuse left. But uh, anyway, so yeah, so I've I've been I've been selling them. And I'm like, well, you know, if if guys want like a really good deal on them, I'm not trying to make a a, a marketing thing here for uh, advertising for my my side gig here. But sure. you know, I'm yeah, I'm like, man, if guys want them, like 
cheaper than they can get on eBay or whatever. Just so I've been selling them for like for 30 bucks for like a hundred or like 75 for 300. I'm just trying to move them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, which is still, I think cheaper than what you get anyway, anywhere, including shipping. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so it's been, it's been pretty, it's been pretty good. You know, I think people have been, you know, but, but again, I'm not a feather expert. I'm just like, here, here's a feather. I believe that they are true flight because they're in actual true flight boxes and they're all left wing and and here you go. You know what I mean? So you know uh, what I've noticed is a, a lot of guys are, are just shooting right wing. Nobody wants to shoot left wing anymore. I don't care I, one way or another. Until I got all these, they, mine were all right wing, just just because. You know, I'm a righty and you know, I, I don't know. Well if you're <laughs> but righty, I, I know it doesn't make any difference. It makes zero well, it, difference. It, it makes zero difference, but the, yeah. I mean the, the, the old school way of thought was if you shoot right if you're a right handed shooter, you shoot a left wing feather, and if you're a left handed shooter, you shoot a right wing feather. That's why like left wing was the the predominant like if you went to buy a dozen pre-built arrows you were going to get left wing feathers um because guys are right-handed typically and (laughs) i think that this is my theory is that why like you know black eagle if you buy their uh uh no not instincts they're they're traditional they're uh vintages um they uh they, they all come with right wing feathers It's because there's just this plethora of extra right wing feathers that they had, you know, that need to be used. Um, mm. is my theory, but because guys have shot, you know, it had always gone with that old adage for years and years and years. Um, but yeah, it, it really doesn't make any difference. Um, but you know, you know, the, the, the thought, the theory behind right wing versus left wing, that if you're a right-handed shooter, your bows on the le- or your shelves on the left side of the bow, that, you want that arrow rotating away from the shelf and away from the uh, the riser versus rotating into it. So mm-hmm. that's why you should shoot left wing. So yeah. Well, if you think about that though, if you're, I mean, you're, you're theoretically wanting that arrow to fly as, as straight as possible, right? Mm-hmm. So if if you're if you're counting on the back of the arrow to do this big kind of spirally twist away from from the riser, uh, I think I think you're. You, you've already lost that that whole tuning tuning thing there. You know what I mean? It right. shouldn't be do it shouldn't be doing like this big like uh, matrix like you know spinny turny thing around the riser. You know it should just be hopefully going as, as straight. I mean it's going to flex, but you know, yeah. I, uh, anyway, I think that's that. I think at least that's been debunked as far as like yes. You know, I, I, would, I would yeah. agree. But. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, so since okay, so I want I want to kind of bring this back to the to, to the bows, and I want to talk about your bows too. But I want to ask you one one more thing here. So you've you've it sounds like you kind of gravitated gravitated to the longbow for you know relatively early, right? In in, in your career, I mean, after yeah. you said after you sold sold like the the, the K mags and all that stuff, um, or at least stopped shooting them. Um, you mentioned something about when your uh, when you were shooting and you were doing that expansion and you were kind of coming across your chest more, you know, and then you kind of hooked your, yeah. uh, you know, you hooked the string and whatnot. Do you, do you, do you, do you shoot shorter bows too now? Do you compare them at all? Or do you just kind of shoot longer bows and, and, and stick with that? I like longer bows. Um, okay. I've, <laughs> um, not that I don't like shorter bows, I, you know, because honestly with my draw length, I really would benefit from going to, um, between a 58 and 62 inch bow. Um, mm-hmm. but I really like a 64 inch long bow. Um, if I'm shooting a recurve 58 or 60 inches all day long. Um, but I really don't see 
a need for me personally to go down to, you know, like go back to a 52 inch Kodiak Magnum or Mm -hmm. uh, like, uh, like the shrews, you know, like 52, 54, 56, there really is no added benefit to me for that short of a bow. I can shoot a 64 inch longbow out of a, a standard double bow ground blind. So why do I need to go? So like, if there was ever a need for me to go shorter, it would be to, to hunt out of a ground blind. And maybe if I was, you know, you know, in a pit blind in Africa or something like that, I might consider, you know, shooting something shorter. But, um, and I, honestly, my next bow that I build for myself, I, I'm probably going to go 62, maybe 60, but, mm. um, I, you know, this first prototype that I've made of the Manitou is what I'm shooting now. Um, and I went 64 on that just because I, that's kind of my, that, that's been my bread and butter. I just, I, since 2000, since, yeah, since January of 2000, I've been shooting a 64 inch longbow with the exception of 2018, at 2017, I shot a 62 inch great Northern 2018. I was hunting with a. 60 inch tall tines recurve and then i started my business and built my first bow for myself which was a 64 inch manistee and then i've built a 64 inch manatee for myself so Hmm. yeah i um you you mentioned those shrews so you know i've got i've got that elk card it's like 56 and i I think i've kind of settled on like you know 56 inch which is which makes it about like 55 55 and a half when it's strong between Mm -hmm. The, my grizzlies, uh, my grizzlies, and the elkhart—they're the exact same within like a quarter inch or whatever, tip to tip when they're strong. I, I, you know, I've tried the longer bows, and and I was asking about the string clearance thing because everyone talks about how, you know, you got less string angle, string pinch, and all that stuff with a longer bow, and you know what I found, and I, I've I've got a video on this whether people agree with it or not agree with it, whatever. What I what I found was, you know, with a with with a longer bow, right? Mm-hmm. when you're at let's say a, any any given uh draw length the string like like the lower string i'm gonna go uh, the same string but i mean like the, you know the part that goes down to the lower limb yep. the, the string angle right doesn't like jut away from your body as aggressively as it does with say again uh, you know a, a 64 inch bow compared to like a kodiak magnum let's say like a 52 right yeah. which is yeah. which is very aggressive you pull them both back to the same uh draw length that K mag, that lower string is going away from your body at a faster rate. You know, it's going down, but it's also yeah. going away. And I found that um, with a longer bow, with that more um, uh, gentle angle, you know, more obtuse uh, string mm-hmm. angle, that I, sometimes I would snag if I had a pack on and I'm shooting kind of down. I, I might, I might, hit, you know, kind of snag my um, uh, waist belt or uh, love handle or whatever or <laughs> your thigh. You know what I mean? Um, and I find with a little bit shorter bow, you know, the happy medium is kind of, I'm, I'm finding this 58 to 60 inch. I like, I really like in 58, um, you know, on, on recurves and 56 on this, on this long bow, because I, I don't have that now, maybe like, since you've shot these things like forever, you've probably just kind of shot around it and it's not an issue for you. Right. Or do you, do you ever find that? Do, do you ever find that to be the case? Like, does that ever creep up on you? No, I've never had an issue with it. Um, I, uh, 
the biggest pain that I've had is, is actually finding um, shooting with a pack on um, is actually the the sternum strap. Yep. If if the sternum strap isn't, you know, and I have to make sure that um, it's buckled know, that up and the flap it, is tucked away. Yes, exactly. Yep. That that's yep. uh, it, it, but that's going to be an issue no matter the length of the bow you shoot. I it, right. in my opinion, um, shorter bows. Um, and this comes down to including draw length. Like some guys can shoot with a ball cap on facing forward. My dad's one of those. Like he doesn't have to worry about flipping his hat backwards or square, you know, like offsetting it or anything like that. He's just able yeah. to it, it, longbow, recurve, whatever. He just shoots it, you know, with a ball cap on. I have to turn my hat around or take my hat off. Yeah. Um, if I'm shooting a 64 inch bow, if I, if I drop down to Kodiak Magnum, I'm going to get all the string clearance in the world on my hat because of that sharp angle going um, under your hat. Yeah, exactly. Versus, yeah. you know, kind of coming into the bill, yeah. um, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, I just, I, I either wear a boonie hat or I just wear, uh, you know, a, 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 a beanie or I just wear a ball cap backwards in the woods these days. Um, that's, that's just kind of how I roll. But, um, as far as lower limb clearance or lower uh, limb string clearance, I don't have any. I haven't ever had any issues with that, but I'm not a saddle hunter I, either. So, um, and on my harness or whatever, I always make sure that I try and keep my harness under my outside layer of clothing. Um, I don't want to have any of that stuff hanging out. Um, I, for me, um, when I'm in a tree stand, um, as a matter of fact, before I go, before I get in the tree stand, when I'm getting dressed, I put on my base layer, then I put on my harness, and then I put on, if I'm wearing a base layer, put, you know, I put that on first. Otherwise, it's my harness and then my pants, and then I'll put the shirt on over the top of my harness. Um, mm-hmm. So that way I don't have any of that shit hanging out outside of the um, tether going out the back of the shirt or the back of the jacket or whatever. Yeah. Um, just, just keep any of that out of the way. Um, I've never had... Uh, never had any issues with lower limb. It's always been, if there's ever an issue, it's always with my upper limb or upper string, um, upper, you know, upper, upper limb string, whatever you want to call it or whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. No, I, I was just curious. I mean, and that just goes to show, like, I mean, when, when you, I don't want to say grow up, but I mean, when you shoot something a certain way for so long, I think you just mentally, it's like your, your body knows how to clear certain things and you don't even know you're doing it. Well, and you I know? think that's part of the, you know, the, the, Guys transition from compound, you know, you, you typically shoot a compound shooting more straight up versus, mm-hmm. you know, the way I learned is, you know, and love it or hate it, you know, the way G. Fred talked and, the, you know, kind of taught everybody how to do it, you know, in his books, um, shooting instinctively and shooting instinctively too or whatever, you know, the kind of hunched over method, mm-hmm. which is how Glenn did it and it's how freaking Fred did it and it's how, you know, like all, all the legends of archery, you know, uh, did William Chief Compton. I mean, everybody shot with that bent waist, you know. So you kind of get if you if you have that lack of a better term, hunchback look when you're shooting. It gives you a lot more clearance than when you're trying to stand straight up. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so when guys like myself learn from a very young age from guys that shot like that, that's what we do. You know, we weren't given archery coaches or olympic style coaches um we just do the the men that we learned how to shoot from were bow hunters and that's what they did they weren't chasing targets they weren't you know it it it, right now there really seems to be 
that's trying to blend two worlds together of traditional bow hunting and like bear bow or um the the, the target archery aspect of things mm-hmm. and prior to 10 years ago you didn't see anybody really trying to do that there was a few guys that did it you know larry yen um jason westbrock uh there's a couple other guys but really there weren't many guys that were shooting competitively um bigger names that were shooting competitively or trying to push their message that were bow hunters as well. Yeah. Um, and, and even Jason, he's, you know, like he shoots competitively and he's not like trying to push a message. This is just how he shoots and he shoots really consistently and really well. I've shot with Jason. He's a freaking amazing shot. Yeah. Um, and he does, he does all kinds of stuff like, like face crawls and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, face walking and this, that, and the other. But yeah, I, yeah, just by the, I really like his writing. I've never met the guy, but I really like his writings, by the way, just kind of a shout out to him, I guess. But yeah, no, Jason's um, in, yeah. No, it's, it's, it, it, but it's crazy when he's doing that face walking and, um, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> watching him shoot and that, that literally the knock of his arrow is damn near touching his cornea. And I'm like, <laughs> If something goes bad, it's going to go really bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm always afraid of a, of a knock. Like, I didn't notice a knock had a split in it or something like that. Mm-hmm. If, you know, like the shaft's, like, uh, slapped or something. You know what I mean? And yep. I'm just afraid of, like, a little tiny, all it takes a little tiny little piece to break off. And, it, yeah, yeah, it makes me nervous. You know, confidence in your equipment, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but, uh, no, I but it, there weren't a lot of guys pushing that. And, like, right now, there's a lot of... I don't want to say push to do this, but like there, there seems to be a big push for guys to try and bring the target world into the bow hunting world and not, they can play well together, but they're, it's trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. There's a lot of, there, there, there's some overlap, it maybe not a square peg in a round hole, but a square peg into a hexagon hole, right? Because <laughs> you can get that you can get a square peg into a hexagon hole, but there's still gaps. In my world, that well, my former world, that'd be like uh, using an Allen when you don't have the right torques, you know? Exactly. <laughs> you can exactly. get it to fit, <laughs> and you can get only so much torque out of it until it starts to strip. But if you're lucky, you'll make it work. <laughs> exactly. In in. in, in <laughs> You know, like, and, and I and I applaud the guys that try that, that are doing both and doing well at both. Um, yeah. I think that's awesome. But for most guys, you know, chasing ten rings isn't. I maybe chasing ten rings is the way to kill more deer. I don't. I, I, I I'm not the expert on that because I don't chase ten rings. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but I've killed a lot of deer. Um, you know, and, and the guys that I hang out with. Um, and, and I, and not, I, a lot of the guys in my dad's generation, you know, these guys that are 55 to 70 years old, I consider close friends and brothers and they have done more and seen more and killed more doing shit the old way. Yeah. And half the, the, the then then three quarters of these guys that are out here preaching the, the, the this 
this this new guard out here saying that this is the way it should be done and forget everything you've heard in the past because it's all wives tales well mm. it, it i'm sorry man but to me you can it, when you once again we you factor in the human element you factor in the natural element um you're not killing foam when you walk into the woods you're dealing with live animals and you know wind and rain and it just weather in general and and it it's not the same and you can you're not gonna get perfect form and execution on every attempt you make at taking an animal's life yeah you know as as a um in the last let's say five years let's say um as an outsider to traditional coming into traditional when i did um it was at the kind of start of the whole podcast movement i mean i i mean like jason sam goviak's uh channel was like the very first like podcast well no actually meat eater was but that i listened to you know what i mean right and then there was like no others so now everybody every every goober with with a headset that they bought from amazon you know i'm raising my hand over here it can have a podcast now so um what what i took from it was i kind of looked at the whole picture i'm like okay so there's like the old way and then there's like the new techie way and then you know i was able i think to take um stuff from it from from each side and you know one side's like okay get get your get your technical get your tuning as best you can get your form as best you can and then try to apply whatever as much of that as you can into real world situations in the woods um to to do that and then do some critical thinking and and make your own decisions about what works best for you. So if you're able to do that, I think you can just take information from anywhere and just make it your own. But you need like you need a lot of reps, man. You need a lot of arrows downrange to come to that conclusion. And yes. no matter what you do, you know, practice and everyone says, well, perfect practice makes perfect, whatever. I mean, assuming. But practice is is just what's going to get you to the level of where you want to be and how you want to shoot and how you want to tune and what's important to you versus what's like important, but it's okay. You know, um, in a hunting situation, let's say, right. So we're going back to, we're not trying to hit tiny little dots. Maybe we're aiming for as, as tiny a dot as possible, but we're really hoping for kill zone. You know what I mean? Right. Or happy with kill zone. And, I, that, and I'm not trying to make that sound like you're settling for something because you'd always try to be as accurate as you can. But, you know, anyway, for, for, for me, it was I was able to take both. And it wasn't like, you know, you know, mommy's over here and daddy's over here and mommy and daddy are fighting. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like, nope. <laughs> I, was, I was able to kind of figure out like my own, you know, way of, of, of how to shoot, you know, and and what's important and what's not. So I hope others can do that. Um, I think right now there's like a, a crap ton of information and different opinions and, and people that, that kind of do both too. They're kind of crossing over, like you said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think, I think, I think it, archery in general and hunting in general is going to be better off for it overall. Personally. I, I hope so. Um, you know, we saw a huge influx of, uh, new traditional archers in the mid nineties, mid to late nineties, there was kind of this resurgence like we're having today. Mm. Um, 
we retained about 10% of them. Yeah. Um, and the 10% we retained were the guys that kept it simple. Um, and I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't want to say that that's what's going to happen. I hope it, 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 it turns out better this go around. Um, but one of the things it, it, I guess it's that enjoy the flight of the arrow. I, I mean, it is corny as that sounds. Dude, when was the first time you shot a bow? Ever. Me? Yeah. 1998. It was a PSE Nova. How old were you? Tw- uh, I got into it kind of late, so 21, 20, 21, somewhere around there. Okay. I was born in 74, so. Okay, yeah. so, you're, so you're 10 years older than I am. Um, but how did it feel watching that arrow fly? Oh yeah, super. Yeah. Right, you super know, so cool. the, exactly. Yeah. It, it, and there came a point in a lot of these guys where it was no longer good enough to just watch the arrow fly. Mm-hmm. It, it had to be perfect every time. And, and archery and bow hunting is supposed to be fun. And like I said, if tuning the shit out of your stuff, you know, pulls your trigger. And, and that is super fun for you. And there's guys that are super technical that that is. Um, I get it. And that's cool. Um, but for a lot of guys, the going down the rabbit hole, the tune in and the everything else, you start to lose the fun out of it. And if I'm going to do all that to be consistent with a trad bow, why don't I just go back to my compound where I'm significantly more accurate? It's significantly longer ranges. And, you know, it, it, when you miss an opportunity at a 140 or 160 inch class buck at 40 yards because he's out of your effective range, how many times does that happen before a guy says, you know what, this trad stuff is really cool, but if I'm going to do all this bullshit with a single string, I can do all this bullshit with. A cam and cables. I'm going back to cam and cables because that buck would have been dead and I'd have him on my wall right now and my family could be. Right. And, you know, you have to me, it's the enjoyment. It's. We're having fun. And when we stop having fun, we lose people and. I, I just really hope the guys can take kind of the best of both worlds approach like you you mentioned. Um, I'm skeptical, though. I really am. I, I, I hate to say it, but I'm skeptical. And um, I think we'll be lucky to retain 20% uh, of this current resurgence. But maybe, I, it, hopefully, time will prove me wrong. I would love to be proved wrong and, and you know, 50 to 60% will retain. But it's... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Only time. Oh, there'll, be a, tell, there'll, right? there'll be a lot of sweet custom bows floating around in the next five, ten years. Then, <laughs> <laughs> right? 
super cheap, you know. But um, right, dude, we're like an yeah, hour that, and a half that, into that, this. That, we, that doesn't we, we haven't even to me. <laughs> we, we haven't even talked about your your uh, your bows, your company. So before I keep you like way too late tonight, um, let's let's kind of do like a hard kind of pivot to that. Um, okay. So obviously you're like super crazy passionate, super crazy passionate about the history. You're you got a love of the longbow. When do you decide like, hey, um, I think I could build some of these? And, and what 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 kind of sparked that? Okay. Um, well, it, for anybody that's listened to the previous podcast that I've been on, um, I think I've gone over the story a few times. But um, so kind of long story short, you know, like uh, I said, I kind of grew up in this. Um, when I graduated high school in ought to, um, my kind of graduation present um, from everybody, um, I asked everybody to, to just for money instead of uh, other sort of gifts. Um, I wasn't worried about <clears throat> fitting out a college dorm room or anything like that because I was heading to the Air Force. But um, anyhow, I asked for money so I could finance a road trip out west. And um, I took a two-week road trip out west uh, with a good friend of mine. We loaded up my uh, Chevy half-ton and... Uh, we went out through South Dakota and did, you know, did all the sites in South Dakota, Mount Rushmore, all that stuff, and in Montana. And uh, when I was out in Montana, we stayed with uh, the Robertsons uh, of Robertson Stick Bow, and we stayed there for two nights, I think, two maybe three nights. Anyway, um, I got to spend some time with Dick in a shop and seeing him work in. Uh, doing that would really was kind of cool and uh I, I was like man this is this is really cool and uh i it's something that i, I it, like i don't know it just like it really kind of tick it clicked with me um i didn't really put a lot of thought into it at that point and um but then came back from that road trip i i visited a couple other friends out there we stayed with uh, the the fishers larry fisher one of the co-founders of traditional bow hunter magazine um actually he let us stay in uh, their family's cabin uh, right outside of Yellowstone National Park for our time at Yellowstone. Um, we so we, it's like, yep, give me a phone call when you get close. I'll tell you where the keys are, and you know, have the run of the place. And uh, then we went over to Boise and stayed with the Fishers and and uh, hung out. With, he passed uh, away a few years ago, right? Yeah, pancreatic cancer. It yeah, was yeah. Untimely, but uh, it, it sucked. He was a he was a great man. I I, I really miss Larry. Um, and uh stayed with the uh Burton's Bob Maryland. Um most people probably listen to your podcast, uh, wouldn't know them, but uh Bob owned Whispering Wind Arrows. Um he actually they were hex pine shafts. They were they were pine that was split and uh then glued black back together in uh hexagon. Um hmm. so they were actually hollow in the center. Um, so they they were you know, they're round on the outside, but you know, they were glued, you know, six pieces of pine glued back together and there was a oh. A, a small hollow through the center of them um anyhow beautiful arrows uh extremely durable uh and and very um bend resistant you know they, they were very resistant to bending but um anyway so you kind of getting sidetracked there did that road trip came back um yeah i, I feel like that kind of like lit a you know it was, it was like a little spark and uh did the Air Force gig? I, I Air National Guard for 12 years, and um, I was a weapons loader for the first seven years of that. And when I got 
our, our base got bracked and we lost our aircraft and uh, it was get out, transfer to another unit or um, transfer jobs. And I uh, picked up, I, I went into fire department and I just got back from fire academy and uh, in September I had a really good season that year in 2009 I think I killed three deer uh, a really nice he was a half rack eight <clears throat> but he probably would have gone 115 to 120 uh, maybe 125 um, if he'd had a full rack um, but beautiful deer anyhow um, nice two and a half three and a half year old buck uh, for Michigan but uh, that year at Kalamazoo uh, in 2010 um, I was talking to my buddy uh, Bob Morrison and um, he's like you're pretty good with your hands aren't you Dave and I'm like yeah, yeah I mean I, I, you know <laughs> I do a lot of stuff with my hands he's like yeah you know I could you know I, I wouldn't mind having a little bit of help down in the shop you know um, down in Ohio and I'm like fuck and I, it wasn't an outright job offer but it was you know, like a, you know hey like if you wanted to come and <laughs> work for mm-hmm. me I, would, I wouldn't hesitate to hire you and um my wife had just started uh, physician's assistant school and she was in Kalamazoo at, uh, at Western Michigan university where she started school and, and, you know, obviously we were living together and everything. And I just, I couldn't, you know, and I just transferred to the fire department and got back from all that stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if I can justify moving to Ohio um, in, in being away from my wife and, um, all that at that point um so i was like you know i i i I didn't follow up on that offer but that that was kind of like the the little bellows on the on that spark on the uh, on that little fire like oh you know somebody thinks that i could do this and then uh so i started pursuing a full-time fire to fire career um which led me into paramedic school because you know another notch in your belt is always good to get hired on full-time right sure and um so i got you know, I became a paramedic full-time and, um, didn't end up doing the fire department thing, uh, full-time as a civilian career. Um, but it was within a year or two of being a paramedic, 2012, 2013, 2014, that, that conversation I'd had with Bob, um, kind of really resonated. And, um, I knew that I didn't want to be a paramedic for the rest of my life. And, um, I wanted to find a way out and I, to be able to combine two of the things that I love, um, you know, bow hunting and, and, and bows and, and to build a career out of that, I thought would be just amazing. And, um, so I wanted to, I, I started trying to put away some money and, uh, put together, uh, it's to, to kind of build a shop and, and kind of learn on the, on the fly. And it just never really seemed to, every time we'd get some money built up or whatever, we'd have, you know, a car need to be fixed or we'd have to, you know, an appliance would break or whatever. And, you know, that all the shop money would go to that. And, um, and, uh, so then I was thinking, you know, well, maybe it would be better if I just tried to, you know, buy an existing company, um, you know, we've got a lot of boyers that are kind of aging out and, um, you know, they would kind of give me a heads, uh, you know, a head start and I could just walk into that 
out of paramedicine and and not have to be a paramedic anymore. I could just walk into a into a full time business that that could support us type deal. Um, even if we had to finance the purchase or whatever, I think you know it would be it would have been fine. And um, talked to the couple of boyers and um, it just stuff wasn't quite right. And um, then uh, Mark Smeltzer from Bowmaker. He uh, he came down with a, he 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 got sick with a um, an illness that he couldn't couldn't make bows anymore and he uh, I I started following this group the Boyer's Corner on Facebook and uh, he posted all the stuff up for sale on Facebook and um, just said you know hey I'm selling all my you know like these tools and and all my forms and all my wood and um, all my glass and the whole nine yards and you know contact for more info I'd, I'd prefer to sell it all as a as a lot. And I was actually at work that night, uh, right after he posted it, like I saw it within 20 minutes of him posting it or whatever. And I'm like, huh, I wonder how much you want for that. And, uh, but I, would, I didn't put too much thought in it. I'm like, oh, you know, I probably can't afford it type deal. And I, I talked to my partner and he's like, dude, find out how much he wants for it. It's the worst you can find, you know, like, oh, it's out yeah. of your price range or maybe it is, you know, and, uh. Anyway, I, I called my dad and I was like, what do you think? And he's like, oh, it's probably worth between this and that. And, and I called my wife and I was like, well, what do you think? You know, dad thinks, it, he, you know, he'd probably want between, you know, this number and that number for it. And she's like, well, you know, we'll make it work. If, you know, if that's that, that's what he wants for it. Yeah, go for it. And I messaged him and uh, he came back with a number that I couldn't refuse. And I said, yep, OK, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so he's then like, I teach me how to build bows. But it wasn't even a teach me how to build bows. It was uh, I'm done, and uh, I uh, that night I booked a at, from work. I booked a, a, a one way ticket to Salt Lake City because he was um, he's about an hour north of Salt Lake, and um, I booked a one way ticket to Salt Lake and uh, reserved a Penske truck, and then uh, threw it out on the old. Uh, I talked to some you know local friends here you know like anybody want to go with me and they're like man i would love to but i gotta work or whatever and so i threw it up onto the uh the facebook world and uh, one of my good buddies from indiana is like dude i've got the time i've i've got time off and this just seems like something that i can't miss so i i he'd actually taken the week off to hunt the rut and he's like fuck it i want to go with you wow. I, can't, I can't miss it and um so <laughs> tubby got a ticket and uh we uh, we flew out to salt lake that i agreed to buy it on a monday i flew out there on thursday we flew out thursday night i think i think it was thursday night maybe it was friday now it's thursday night we got a hotel for the night then we drove up to marks on friday loaded up everything he kind of gave me a brief overview on you know what he what his normal process was but it wasn't like we worked on a bow or anything like that he's like yeah i normally you know run at this psi and this temperature for this long and that was about it <laughs> and um you know kind of gave me some basic recipes but he didn't like it was just stack heights <laughs> there there was no limb widths or anything like that or tapers or um anything like that so i came home and um unloaded the penske truck and uh then tried to put a shop together and uh took me about a month to build my first bow i added like 24 hours 26 hours into building my first bow and 
I thought it was justified that I, I built that first one for my father since he was the, the one that put a bow into my hands. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the second bow that I made was for for Tubby who came with me. And um, and uh, yeah, I mean like everything that, like Mark's um, stack heights and that like for the limits that I wanted to go with and what I or for what I did they were way off. So it was, it, there was a lot of a lot of trial and error in that first five or six bows. Um, but I got it sussed out pretty quick, and uh, you know I've been around been around the game in traditional archer for for a long time and like to me i I feel like i've got a good eye for um what's appealing in in the look of a bow and um and then you know have a good feel for how a good bow shoots and uh so i try to combine all those things and um i feel like i've come out with uh you know even though three of my bows three out of my for, like I'm, I'm getting ready to put the Manitou into production. Um, I think we've pretty much got that sussed out. Um, but uh, my first three bows were all off of Mark's forms, and, and the third, the fourth one now is going to be off of one of my forms. And um, I, I, I feel like we've come out with, or I've come out with uh, some just really incredibly performing bows. They're they're a, they're super quiet. They're super smooth um speed to performance um it, it uh, uh <clears throat> they're not really any hand shock there's they're just there's really good performing bows um i i don't guys go out and shoot my bows and i don't normally it, it it's probably 25 to 1 guys come back like man this thing is freaking amazing you know and that one guy's like yeah it's, it's an all right bow but you know, most of those guys, you know, they've already got something that they, they in their head that they want, or the. And I hate to say it, but some guys are just really inexperienced, and like, I I don't I don't know, um, I I don't I don't know what where the the outliers are, but you know, they're you're gonna have outliers with everything. I mean, some guys are Chevy guys, some guys are Ford guys. You mm. know, it is it is how it is. But uh, so, had you built anything before before this, or, or did you just kind of just just jump in? Just jumped in. Jesus. Um, so, and, and I was, I, I, I worked full time on the ambulance um, up until this last um, March, you know, at the end of March, I, I got off the ambulance and um, I haven't stepped foot back on it and I have no intention of ever doing such again. Um, started, I, I'm doing a part-time contracting, general contracting um, two days a week just to kind of help sustain bills or whatever but outside of that i'm i'm in the shop when i'm not dad and and um just trying to trying to be more get myself to more full-time status um i i really think that uh the way this last year and a half is gone that within the next two years i could you know put the the contracting um aside and, and go full-time with kalamazoo Bow works and wow. be able to do that five days a week um i re- i we, I, I've, I've had a significant amount of growth, especially in the last 12 months. And uh, the more guys that get to shoot my bows, the more guys are, are raving about them. Um, 
and I just I don't want it to toot my own horn. I, it, like I'm I'm super humble. Whenever somebody tells me how great my bow is shooting or whatever, or they love my bow. Like I, I really don't know how to respond because, like I, I just like it it brings it puts a huge smile on my face and like I wish I, I, I wish I could just it wasn't it wouldn't be odd for me to just take a picture of my you know like a selfie and send it back to the person because that's how you know like <laughs> like it, it, um I just I I don't feel like I deserve where I've you know where I'm at. Um, I've, I feel like I've made a, 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 a ton of leaps, you know, like huge leaps and bounds in progression, um, in the almost three years that I've been building bows. I, I, have been building bows since December of 18. I, my first bow actually is labeled as one of 20 or one of 19, um, cause I didn't finish it until January. Um, so you know, I've I've got less than three years of experience in this, but I, you know, it's building bows. But I've been doing this my whole life, and um, it, uh, I don't know, I I just I, I yeah, <laughs> I'm extremely. I, I, I think I think when you know what the um, the end result and the end feel is supposed to be, um, again, I've never built a bow in my life. I'm terrible with wood. My dad's really good with wood. I'm terrible with I didn't get that gene, but um, I th- I would imagine it's just like any anything that you're building with your hands or any kind of finished product. When you know what that end end result's supposed to be, um, maybe you just kind of um, what do you call it? Like back uh, you know backtrack it a little bit. Yeah, and, I mean, you, like, and, and figure out how to get there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, you know, and I took. A lot of I, I took some inspiration from from bows that I truly loved, you know, that I, I, in my past, and um, you know, the my new Manitou is uh, it's it's rough basis is uh, a Bridger Mountain longbow from uh, Heritage Archery by Rocky Miller. Um, most new guys would never know who you're talking about, but if you talk to somebody who's been shooting since the '80s, you'd say Rocky Miller, and like, oh damn, yeah, no, he he was a hell of a boyer, and you know, it's sad to see him, you know, get out of the game. But, um, you know, the Bridger Mountain Longbow was one of my favorites. Um, I, I really, I, I went between that and my Robertson uh, vision for, for years. And um, I just love the way it shot. Um, it looks like a hill style, but it's got, you know, it's a mild reflex deflex. Um, but I went, you know, with a Manitou. Um, I took that idea. I put more reflex, a little bit, a little bit more deflex, a lot more reflex into it. Um, same kind of riser length, uh, same limb profile, and it's D-shaped when it's strung. Um, you can see just a touch of the reflex in the very tip, but uh, they're shooters, man. Um, I've got right now. I have four prototypes out. I one including ones in my hands, and then I've got three others in. in um, others hands and I just finished up prototypes five and six on the builds. They're still waiting on finished sanding and getting them finished and, and out to uh, their field testers. But um, I and think this is, this is the new Manitou. Yeah, this is the Manitou. Yep. Because you got the Manistee, right? Yep. Yep. The Manistee longbow. Yep. And then the Arcadia. Is that right? Yep. Or yep. The Arcadia, and then the Boardman recurve. So my my Arcadia longbow is uh it's 18 inch riser. I offer it 58 to 62 inches long. Um, it 
most people order it in 58 or 60 because if you're going to go 62 um i suggest going to the manistee just because then you end up with a shorter working limb because mm-hmm. um, the manistee's got a 22 inch riser and if you're going 62 inches um for 28 inch draw length or something like that going 62 inches with a shorter working limb you're going to have it'll have a lot more performance um and you add a little bit of mass weight with the riser being longer um yeah. that's a very stable very shootable bow um I, my manistee um prior to my manitou uh was my favorite of my lineup um the, the arcadia is a hell of a bow um i i love shooting that uh that's what my dad shoots uh this a, a couple of my buddies shoot um but my manistee's always been my favorite um but the manitou is top notch i like i'm i'm loving my manitou and uh like i said next one i build is probably gonna be another manitou for myself uh and what's the specs on that one my the one i'm currently shooting is 64 inches 61 at 28 61 pounds at 28 inches jesus it was the first one i I was you know i I just kind of shot out shot from the hip on the on the stack height and uh that's what it came out at so i'm like oh well, i guess i got a 60 pound bow it's like <laughs> I don't, honestly i dropped down my my draw weight down to 50 um over the last couple of years and um but going back up to 60 hasn't hurt it at all so hmm. and it's and what's the riser on that one then is that also a 20 20 we just no it's uh it's, um well i'm i'm bouncing back and forth uh, the last two that i did i did one with a 15 inch riser and one with a 16 inch riser um, I, all the others have 16 inch risers, um, in the Manitou. Um, but I'm, I'm leaning, I'm leaning hard more toward the 16 inch riser than the 15. Um, I just like the way that the profile ended up coming out a little bit better, but I want to, I want to get some feedback from my field testers. Um, cause I just don't have time to shoot <laughs> 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 that many bows that much. Like if I got time to shoot, I got time to build. So. Yeah, no, no, I hear you. No, I'm I'm looking on your website here right now, actually. So I'm guessing it's not um, the man two is not listed yet, obviously, right? No, so I got, I'm no, and my honestly, my website is terrible. Well, it's not terrible. It's a very good website. It is just terribly upkept because I am terrible at that, and um, I need to 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 get with Robin to uh, to update it. So yeah. Okay, so um, you said the uh, I'm I'm trying to because because I don't see. And I think I was talking to Schaefer about this too. And like on a lot of Bowyer's websites, right? Mm-hmm. You'll see, like you never see like the, the whole bow, the whole finished, like strong profile of the bow. And I know it's hard to take a picture of a, you know, of a bow because yep. it's so long and stuff like that and actually have it look. But mm-hmm. um, I think it's one of those things you got to, you got to bounce between your website and Instagram to see, you know, like people actually shooting it to mm-hmm. see what, what they look like, you know what I yes. mean? When it's strong. So otherwise you just kind of see close-ups of the, um, of the riser and of the handle area. And I'm always like, man, I want to see like the limbs. I want to see it strong. I want to see what it looks like. You know, yeah. The curves what, what's of the, stuff what's like the profile that. of it look like? Yeah. Um, so no, go, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was going to say, so then, um, the did you just so did you say the Arcadia? No, not the Arcadia. You said uh, what was the one that was the reflex Steve or a uh, recurve one? The Bo- Boardman. Boardman. Okay, and then uh, the Manus the Manus T, and then the neck the Arcadia is a is a 
is that like a just like a bigger version of the Manistee then, as far as like limb profile and everything, or no? It's actually a, a smaller version of the Manistee. Um, oh, smaller. Okay, it, okay, I'm sorry. It's yeah, a, yeah. It, well, it's it's not. I wouldn't even say it's a smaller version of the Manistee because it has a little bit more deflex and it has a bit more reflex. Um, it, well, it, technically, it's got it's got the same amount of reflex, but it's got more deflex. Um, yeah. You know. But I yeah. Anyhow. Um, yeah, and I notice your grips are. Um, you've got you've got a you know it's not a, I don't know it's not a high risk grip or whatever, but it's definitely like a locator grip there, right? I mean it's. Yeah, I uh, I, I try and yeah. do like a like a, a semi dish um, locator grip, and if you're within driving distance, I I offer the fact you know, <clears throat> come on over to the shop when it's time to shape your riser, and we will custom fit that grip to your hand. Um, yeah, because because. You know, it, it. My dad has given me some shit about this because he's like, oh, "I just don't like that grip." And if somebody decides they want to sell that, you know, it's going to be a pain in the ass, and then they're going to, you know, they they're not going to know what they're going to get. And I look at it like this: one of the biggest reasons why people get rid of bows is because when they get a bow, it doesn't fit their hand the way they want it to. Amen. Right? Nope. So let's fix that. So they never want to get rid of that bow because this bow fits my hand exactly how I want it to. Yeah, I've shot your bows. I think it shoots great, and now I want one that fits my hand exactly how I want it to. And they're never going to get rid of that bow. And you know, then you know, I, I I'm not worried about my bows popping up on the used market with the custom grip because the guy custom made that grip because it fits so well in his hand and he liked the way it shot. And maybe it comes on hard times or whatever, and he ends up having to sell it. it yeah, okay. But a lot of the custom grips that I'm doing right now are more of the they want a flat spot with a hard line and you know and that kind of deal and that's like this newer era of of traditional archers like that kind of grip they're they're not the old guard like my dad who just wants a semi dish Mm -hmm. um that that you know kind of semi-locator grip yeah Um, i look at it like and i i'm not done with the grip until it feels good in my hand um you know on a stock bow like i want it to fit good and like i when i grab it i want to i want it to come into the same spot every time and that's what i look for um and not only that but i want it to me and some guys are different but i want that shelf on top of my finger like i i i don't want the like when guys shoot my bows, they're like, man, this thing points so well. And part of why it points so well is because it's got that little bit of lo- – it's got that locator. So it wants to fit – like your hand just wants to sit into it, and yeah. the shelf is right on top of your finger. And so when you point it at that target, it's it's just right there. Yeah, it's like a low, uh, low like, uh, bore, bore line, you know, like in a pistol kind yeah. of thing where it's – yeah, it's, it's nice and low. Yeah. Um, the uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. The, the grip is like number one, number one for me. I I like um, shelves that are really low. I need a little bit of clearance for feather clearance because then on sometimes I've noticed on some bows that I've shot that have like a really low shelf um, mm-hmm. where like the meat. Burn. Yeah, so where like like the fat part of your uh, your between your thumb and your forefinger, you know, index yeah. finger, you know, it kind of squishes I know exactly up. What you mean? You know, and then you get that that feather going by and just kind of whacking it every time, and it just it just pisses me off. <laughs> you know, it just bothers me. I, I want to elevate, ele- elevate that a little bit. 
they're they're not quite that low. Like it, yeah. if for for a guy that shoots five and a half inch high backs, which I shoot, you know, off of those I typically just shoot uh, some black eagles with the their what three and a half inch shields or whatever. But they're pretty high back shield. Yeah. I don't have any issue with the feather burn on them. So. <laughs> Um, they're, they're just high enough that, that you get that clearance and, um, but they're pretty much right on top of your hand. Like, I just like, man, this feels really good. And, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, maybe it's all my time. Maybe it's just luck. Maybe it's whatever. I, I don't know. I, like, I, I just, I feel truly blessed to be able to, have been able to put my hands to work and, and, and create the stuff that I've been able to do. Yeah, and that's amazing because, you know, like I said, I've I've kind of listened to you for, uh, you know, at least like last couple of years, you know, on on various various shows and stuff like that. And then you're you're more involved on the, you know per- primitive pursuit there, and you know, listen to you guys all the time. And um, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you came on tonight because, like I said, I uh, you you kind of you kind of feel like you kind of sort of know somebody's from listening to them, but you don't ever actually like talk to them. You know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah. you know, it's in uh, same when I had uh, like like Chris uh, Chris uh, Seckel on too. Mm-hmm. You know, same deal. Like, it's like, man, I've been listening to you guys for, for a while, but, you know, we've never actually talked. And then, you know, that that podcast ended up like completely different than what I thought it was going to be. You know, it was an amazing story. <laughs> it it and was fine by me. You know, I was like, holy crap. OK, that, well, let's just go with this because I, I, I didn't know any of all like the details and stuff, you yeah. know, so I'm. I, well, you and know, honestly, I, you know, that's the, Chris's story is how I became involved with Primitive Pursuit of <laughs> what kind sort of <laughs> um so if you listen to the primitive pursuit podcast i i took joel turner's course with aaron and then that next year i met mike at kalamazoo like he'd come up to help run the three rivers booth and i was talking to him and you know he shot uh some of the it was right after i started building bows and like i i had a couple of bows there i was helping um john and carrie in the traditional bow hunter magazine booth and um they're like, yeah, fucking bring your bows and put them in the booth. And, and you know, if people want to talk about them or whatever, because one of the bows was John's. And uh, anyhow, so Mike got to shoot a couple of them. And then Chris came down with the the cancer. And when they did the, um, it, it, or not, he, then he came down with it. Like he, he'd come down with it. And Mike talked to me. He's like, you know, would you be interested in, you know, like we're going to do a fundraiser. Would you be interested in helping? I was like, fuck yeah, I'll donate a bow. And, um, that is like, I, I, I kind of became part of that tribe and, mm-hmm. uh, it like that just, they're an amazing group of guys and, um, yeah, God, I, they're, they're just, they're just so cool. Um, I, I, I enjoy every minute I get to spend with them and they're, they're, they've been truly like brothers, um, especially, you know, Chris and Mike, I've spent a lot more time with than, uh, than Aaron, which is funny cause Aaron only lives like an hour away from, him. <laughs> you know, he's so yeah. damn busy. But uh, no, like those guys are awesome, um, and and Chris's story is amazing. I can't, I like, I, yeah, I, I'm just glad that he's pulled through and he's doing as well as he is. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right, man. We've been, uh, God, how long we've we been on here? Fuck, two hours. Two Jesus. hours. Is, is any anything we didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about? I mean that. And I know I, I, I tend to drag people off course, you know, with with random random shit. So, was there anything you wanted to touch on that we didn't touch on at all? No, I, I mean, I, I always preach, man, it, it, if you're involved in this stuff and you want it to last, be involved in your local organizations, be in your state organizations, um, 
being it being the national organizations, professional bow hunters society, Compton traditional bow hunters, Pope and Young. If you're in Michigan, Michigan traditional bow hunters, um, Michigan Longbow Association, Michigan bow hunters, um, you know, United Bow Hunters Illinois. If you're in Illinois, you know what whatever. Um, whatever state you're in be a part of those organizations because you know uh, depending on the organization you know some aren't set up to be able to fight for your rights um uh, i i'm currently the vice president of michigan traditional bow hunters and um we are set up we we are uh 5013c and we can uh we we are the voice of the traditional bow hunter in the state of michigan so you know if you the the more numbers we have on our roles the bigger voice we have when it comes to the state capital, you know. Yeah, stop they, that airbow shit, Jesus Christ. They're they're pushing it Fuck. hard, and, and they're trying to push it in under the ADA. Um, yeah, you, yeah, that's the catch-all for everything now. From right. everything from getting a government check to uh, to what kind of you know, calling it uh, a weapon that you can you know in archery season. Mm-hmm. It's don't yep. get me started. So no, yeah. <laughs> we could go down that rabbit hole. If oh you want, fuck, but. let's not, because I'll get fired up. So but, yeah, no, that's that that you know it, that's that's my preach. Um, that that's what I want to hit on, man. Just be a part and be be active. You know, I we're all busy. We we all have shit that we have. You know, dude, I got six kids. I I'm running a business. <laughs> I got you know, um, it, I, I I'm I'm constantly busy. But you you got to make time for the things that are important to you. And if you want your kids to be able to bow hunt you need to be a part of those organizations and you need to put forth that effort. And if, you know, you don't have to be the president, you don't have to be the vice president, you know, you can be on a committee, you can, you can, you can help in, in, in a lot smaller ways than you think you can, you know, but it's time for guys that are in their, you know, late twenties, early thirties to step the fuck up and, and take the reins and, and, you know, start, start leading this because we're, the guys that are in their 50s and 60s aren't going to be around a hell, hell of a lot longer. They're getting tired and they're ready to step down because they've been doing this shit for 20 or 30 years, you know, carrying this torch. It's time yeah. to pass it on. So step the fuck up, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good, good advice. I'm going to take that advice, too, because uh, I keep saying, I think when I had, um, uh, who was it, Shan on here, Mandreer, like about a year ago. Um, I don't know if you follow him. He goes by Military Bowhunter. Um and uh you know he's a big pbs fan and after talking to him i was like oh yeah i'm gonna you know i'm gonna i'm gonna sign up this and that and i never did so i'm gonna yeah i'm publicly saying it out there that i'm you know tonight tomorrow morning i'm I'm probably gonna go and 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 sign up so i'm gonna have you hold me accountable to that because uh (laughs) you know it's cheap and if i don't do it you know i'll just forget about it and like oh you know this and that but you're 100 right i mean you need you need to be more involved and you need to have a, a vote and a voice and um it's it's super important so I mean, if we're honest, if it wasn't for Glenn St. Charles and the Pope and Young Club, we wouldn't have both seasons today. Correct. And, yep. you, you know, we need to keep that going. So, yeah. Yeah. On that note, um, stick around with me here after while I, while I wrap up here. So, uh, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's a long episode, but I think we talked about a lot of cool stuff. Um, you know, I... Uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I'm glad, glad I got to talk to you, uh, quote unquote, in person. So um, go check out Kalamazoo Bowworks. Uh, follow you on Instagram. Your, your Kalamazoo Bowworks on everything, right? Yeah, KZO Bowworks is KZOO Bowworks. Um, KZO Bowworks.com, KZO Bowworks on everything. Yeah, it should be. KZO yep. or Kalamazoo. Yeah, definitely cool stuff. And then. Um, 
uh, follow obviously Bowhunting Soul. Check out the YouTube channel. Um, constantly putting putting stuff out there. Like, share, subscribe, all that. It really helps out. Um, everything from you just just following to you know doing Amazon links or whatever. Anything else I kind of talk about and it really helps out the show. So with that said, thanks everybody for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>